the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you. It is a hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. A lot of interesting things have already gone down today. Uh, In committees and Senate committees, in education, the free speech bill got through. So now it'll make its way to the floor of the Senate and then hopefully over to the House. I don't foresee any problems. I don't... I don't think any Republican's going to vote against free speech, to be honest with you. And then, uh, see, what else happened? They, uh, Senator Raper got his bill through. I forget which, which that, committee that, was that. Um, is that health? City, county, local. Was I, it? No, it was health committee. Sorry. It was health. You're right. I'm, yeah, so he got through. Um, his, his big abortion bill. Yeah, Basically, it, it which was, is if the Supreme Court ever overturns Roe v. Wade. Arkansas will immediately revert to... Basically a full-blown full, full blown abortion ban. That's correct. Pretty much. All and right, so that, so that yeah, passed. That's pretty cool. There were some dissenters Doesn't on that me. that I understood. Does not surprise me. And then, uh, let's see, you were up there talking about, what was it, uh, the, the Convention, convention of States. The Convention of States went through, and that one passed. There was a few, there was, there was a few op- opposing um, no's in the committee. And they, they they actually did a roll call on that. I think it was probably thirteen or fourteen that voted for it. And um, then Senator Trent Garner ran his bill on um, raising the number uh, raising, of votes you got to have to get on the ballot. Right for 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 um, minority parties, if no, you will, the Libertarian Liber- Party, yeah, Libertarian or Green Party. Those were the two parties. Did it that, pass? It did pass. Yes. Wow, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So it so basically. Current law requires 10,000 signatures, and if Trent Garner's bill passes, it'll, re- it'll, it'll require 3%, which is about 27,000. Okay. So it's, it's going up an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. significant. Up. But, you know, I got to I gotta un- say that I understand why they want you to get 3% of the vote. I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. I, I do understand to, to give statewide ballot access. I, I, I don't like the system. The way it currently works, I, I would rather it. Well, let's 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 yeah. blame Representative Rushing. We'll, we'll, we'll blame Rushing for it. Yes, <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, it always is. <laughs> All your fault. You, you, you did it. It always. We is. could just do that. She's joining us. She got kind of caught up in the the whirlwind yesterday when we sat down to start the show yesterday. The news came out of the Senate. That they uh, did not pass the governor's budget. Right, yeah, they didn't, they didn't get enough votes. So and everybody then... started stumbling around and trying to figure out what went down. We found out mm-hmm. there was a couple of Republicans who didn't vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, Senator Ballinger was here to talk about the free speech bill, so we started talking to Bob about what was going mm-hmm. on. He said typically it happens when people are, are wanting something to happen in the future towards some other topic, perhaps. And uh, But... Uh, Here's, here we go again. We had Representative Rushing sit down, and she looked right at us and said, well, it passed just now. Yeah, right. She, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. So, she, she, so she gave us the hottest news there on that. And yeah. so, so anyway, I saw Representative Rushing's Facebook post yesterday. She was kind yep. of giving her analysis of why 
somebody might not want and to. And I vote think for it. she was right. And she she was making some um, some valid um, points. I think that would that would ring true with a lot of people. Well, not maybe not me, but but I think they would <laughs> ring true with a lot of people. Republicans have been saying that they're against excess taxation, and it seems like more could be done with that than what we're seeing get done, and that's kind of what you were pointing out, isn't it? Correct. Um, I think on, on my Facebook post, what I'd actually said was something to the to the lines that. Um, the governor wants to do this income tax reduction, which I think is great. Anytime we're doing an income tax reduction, that's great. You know, when I started looking at it, I, I saw that it had to have 76 votes to pass. So if first immediate response was, all right, there's got to be an increase somewhere because you only need it. You need 76 votes if there's an increase in taxes. That's right. And so uh, so I start digging around in it. Uh, got some explanations that the lower end of the upper bracket did have an increase however it was set off by a bracket adjustment that kind of balanced it out so it, it, it was some it became it was, very it was some complex fan, it was some fancy math but it's it's real yeah it's it was fancy math but it was real so then i thought well how does that affect my district how does that affect house district 26 malvern area and parts of garland county and what i came up with was that in um in my district the average household income is $58,000 a year, basically, roughly. Mm-hmm. And so my constituents in this income tax cut will receive less than $1.76 a month in this income tax cut, which I know every little bit helps, every dollar helps anywhere you're going. But when we're talking about roads... I look around the roads in my district, and it goes back to the same things. I brought up the fact on roads on my Facebook page that we need to address these bigger problems before we start looking at cutting these income taxes by this minimal amount. Because what the governor would like to do, or what I've been told he would like to do, he's not talked to me personally, but the rumor around capital is that he wants to defer the uh, road issue back to the people in the half-cent sales tax. No, he's basically said so that on ba- my show. Yeah, and so um, and so that is what he's he's pr- proposing that we should do. But I feel like that that half cent sales tax is going to result more in higher taxes to the people in my district than this te- tax cut is even going to give them. So why are we backing down and saying we are not going to fix roads without referring it to the people? We were sent down here to do the hard job. And that is to figure out how to do this and how to manage the money. But we're not managing the money right if we're given $97 million back. And actually, the average person is not really getting more than $25 a year. I, I think that their big argument is that this is the part of the tax cut that goes to the upper segment of those who make the majority of, you know, of money Correct. in the state. Correct. And they'd already covered the, the middle class and the lower class. Correct. All right. I think that that's their argument right now. I think it's all really complex and didn't need to be complex. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with all that. Right, and I, mean, I actually had said that to DFNA when I was on the phone with them. I said, we have a complex situation. You're raising taxes in the upper end of the or the lower end of the upper bracket and offsetting it with a bracket adjustment. I said, why not just fix it so we just need 51 percent vote and a, and 
do it the right way. They had to use fancy math. They had to use fancy math, confuse everybody. But I think that it's, uh, I do think that it's going to have a really hard time coming out of the house. Uh, I think there's still issues that we don't have answers with the roads. Uh, There's lots of issues that I have. I have, why have we not funded our panic button that protects our children? Uh, Why have we not funded um, our Succeed Scholarship? The governor was just behind the Republican women with their UAMS Cancer Institute, but right. didn't provide any funding for it. No funding mechanism is for it, so it doesn't do any good if we don't have any funding mechanisms. So I want answers on how we're going to fund these and still be able to do this, this income tax cut, and how are we going to fix our roads, and how are we going to be able to maintain them so we can get more business, because it doesn't matter how good our income tax structure is, if we don't have the infrastructure for the businesses to get here and for them to actually be able to function as a business. Yeah, the governor was just on my show last Thursday and sound pretty adamant that he wanted to refer funding about the highways to the people, not because he said he didn't want to see uh, roads being a part of the general fund. Correct, and I have heard that. I've, ha- I've heard that too. That he doesn't want it brought out of general revenue. I think there's several bills out there right now flirting around where part of it would come out of general revenue. Uh, if we have excess general revenue, I do not see the problem of bringing it out in general revenue. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. You know, it's kind of like your savings account. If you have a leak in your roof at your house, so you, you, don't you, got, get, you don't go out and get a loan. If yeah, you, have you money don't in get the a bank. loan if you have money in the bank, and you know you can you can pay to do it. So so. so I think Dave and I both are kind of of the opinion that, you know, we've got money that's being wasted on kind of special stuff with the highways. We drive down these highways, and they're building bridges with ornate architectural designs on them. That's an indication to us that they're not really running short on money because they're they're spending it on kind of fluffy stuff, if you will, Um, whereas if if they were bare-bones utilitarian bridges and, and such... It would indicate that they're being more frugal, but when they're so fancy, then it looks looks to me like they have plenty of money. They're just I'm just thinking a bridge is a bridge. A bridge is a bridge. I can't give you an answer on why they yeah. do that. That's right. for sure. Well, and, and the thing is that, that just indicates to me that I, I see the same thing with public schools as well. Is that in these county buildings and city buildings and such such as that. When they can put all these ornate designs on them and this fancy stuff, it indicates to me that they're Mountains not running short on money. Whatever. But that's that's a good point. Maybe they need to look more wisely at uh, mm-hmm. what they're maybe do just with their become dollars. more unitarian. You know, I mean, just utilitarian. Build some, yeah, right. build, build right. something that that serves the purpose of doing what it's being built for. It does not have to be ornate and beautiful. Right, because because we we need to recognize that. This money comes from pointing guns at people and telling them if we don't if you don't give your money to us we're going to use force against you and so it, it the, I think the justification needs to be strong <laughs> yeah and and the utilitarian aspect needs to be strong and the ornate stuff if you want to get it donated get it donated but the, and that's kind of that's a good point let me ask uh, the representative this because it's something I brought up before the the uh, the session started with some people I won't say who I don't want to you know give out some names but. I asked if this session there would be more pushback with the governor than there was previously because now people see him as being, uh, you know, he's on his last hurrah, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He 
he doesn't run for re-election. Other people be running for the governorship. Usually when you get elected, the first four years, you're pretty good. But when you get into lame duck territory, people will tend to push back a little bit. Do you do you sense that a little bit at the session? I do, I do think that there's going to be a lot more pushback uh, this session. Uh, I, I don't think that things are going to come quite as easy for him. I don't think that... Uh, I, I don't know if it's because it's a lame duck. I don't know if it's because his lame duck, that, but I feel like he's not reaching out to representatives and senators as much as he has in the past either. There's a, there's a group that's uh, felt isolated and not knowing what's going on, and, and I'm not one of the good old boys, I guess. I'm one of the good old girls. I don't know, but I'm probably not even one of the good old girls, actually. But um, <laughs> well, you're not old, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but uh, the, but there's but there's a lot of there there's a lot of talk and behind the scenes of of you know some of us are just really tired of being left out of the loop and the same things happening and the same ones running the same stuff and yeah. and not being included in in any important decision making. So and and basically our points being overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you figure? Have you asked to speak to the governor? Do you have those feelings? Do you feel like you've been left out of the loop? Uh, well, on times that I do, but I, but I mean, I will stand up and say that I have not personally gone and asked to talk to him because I haven't had anything to talk to him about except now I do. Yeah, I mean, it's coming to the house. I needed to wait to see where it was in the Senate before this bill comes here. But I do, but I do have issues now. I did talk to him back before the task force was put together on the the reven- the tax. Uh, Tax task force. Yeah, that's hard Ta- to say. Yeah, I don't mind you not saying task it. force. <laughs> and, I don't have to uh, say. <laughs> I, I talked to him, I talked to him, and at that time talked to Speaker Gillum, and you know asked to be put on that committee. Told him that I felt like I could uh, have a lot of good input. Um, told him I said you know for the last two sessions I've been against the governor's tax bill to start out every time i told him i said you know wouldn't it seem to make sense to put me on there so i could at least be in on the process to you know to Mm -hmm. to maybe be on board and uh you know i wouldn't put on there it was still the same good old boys and and i love the good old boys i mean they're good people but i mean it's still just the same ones running the show so yeah but it gets old if you don't feel like your voice is being heard correct correct i have uh i have my vote counts just as much as all the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> I represent 30,000 people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you have you know. been around for a little while. Yes, I have. So It ain't your first rodeo. It's not my first rodeo. That's the way it is. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk more about this uh, and what's going on. Because I, I sense uh, here in the, in, the, in the chambers, as I've talked to people, that first time around the governor can kind of hold that over your head because he can make the, the next eight years miserable for you not advancing anything you might have in mind but the last four years the power structure tends to kind of level out a little bit and you can push back a little bit to get what you want done we'll come back talk about that here see there's more going on here than you can see (laughs) 21 minutes after two on a uh, wednesday on dave ellswick show we've got representative rushing with us she is from the hot springs malvern area that's uh, district 26 correct correct okay want to make sure we got the district correct We'll take a break, then we'll come back and talk to her further. I need to remind you that Applied Research of Arkansas is looking for people to take part in their clinical studies. I just uh, signed up for one today. I signed up for uh, the low testosterone study they got going. Sounds like I'm going to be able to be uh, 
be part of that. But they got one going on. Uh, women and men both don't like to have warts on their hands or on their elbows or on their faces or anything like that. And they've got a new study going on about how you could wipe those warts away. Participants received the free study-related care, medication, as well as compensation for time and travel. To learn more, go to arcarkansas.com or give them a call, 501-954-7822. Dave Ellswick Show back on the third floor of the House side when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we are here on the uh, third floor on the House side. We are going to be here until the final day of the session. We do Monday through Thursday right now. We don't do Fridays because right now no business is necessary to be carried on Friday, but that will change as we get towards the end of the session. At that point, we'll be here Monday through Friday. So we'll keep you up to date on all the big bills that are going through, even some of the more minute bills that are going through as well because it's the little ones you got to watch. They might make the biggest uh, changes to your personal life. So we'll try to do as best we can. With that in uh, mind, we've got Representative Rushing here from District 26 from Hot Springs, Malvern area. We've been talking about the, uh, the governor's uh, uh, budget, and it got through the Senate today. Now it's on its way to the House, and it should be interesting to see how the House greets it. Uh, the representative feels that it might not get an overwhelming round of applause when it first gets over there, so we'll keep our eye on that. That sounds like something maybe next week will uh, time will a lot of the oxygen will be taken up on that. But she's got some other legislation that is out that I think we should touch base with. One with grandparents. Grandparents get forgotten a lot of times when, uh, you know, the grandkids are going through an upheaval of some kind with the parents and things of that nature. What are you working on specifically? Uh, well, today I actually ran a bill in committee and ended up pulling it down just because we need to clarify some language and some definitions. I think it's going to be well received. I just think that we need to make some few uh, grammatical and uh, technical changes just to make sure it'll stand up in the courts. But um, mine does mine deals with the death of a parent of a child, and then those grandparents of that of the child that died which would be Mm -hmm. the parent right then those grandparents uh still having access to see those kids uh you know for me it hit a personal spot i've had this happen to me in my life where i've not been able to reach out to my grandkids since my daughter's death oh my god and so um so it's personal for me but uh, what we have to remember in our reminded the committee today that just because it's personal for me, I don't feel like it's a personal agenda, because even if we get this passed, it does me no good, because my kids are in North Carolina, and so state law pertains to this. So I'm just working on the behalf of others that are in my spot or have had this kind of situation go on. But basically what it does, Arkansas does have grandparent rights right now, which is a misconception of what a lot of people think. A lot of people think we don't have any, but we do. But what my bill would do would take it and change it up just a bit and put the burden of proof back onto the actual parent instead of the grandparent. Right now, if a grandparent files to petition the court to see their grandchildren, the burden of proof is put back onto the grandparent that they must prove that they are, uh, you know, they have all these different 
criteria that are in the bill now. What we're trying to get that to do is to reverse that. And so when the the grandparents actually file, they're actually filing as the plaintiff. And they're going in and putting their case. And the parents come back and say, well, no, this is a bad grandparent. And this is the reason they we've okay. not allowed them to see it. This bill, what this bill doesn't do, which is another lot of big misconception, is it does not give grandparents the automatic right to walk into a house and say, I'm going to see the kids now. It gives them the right to go to court and let it if they are actually fit to be able to see those kids and let the judge hear both sides of the story. Yeah, that's so, tough. Yeah. That's, 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 if you're the judge, at that point, you probably feel like Solomon. Yes, I think a lot of judges do, and I actually have the help of uh, the court of judges right now. They're helping me with this, and so uh, we're trying to get the language right so it can be upheld. And they have reached out for help as well because they get in. They don't know what a law says reasonable time. They don't know what definition of reasonable time is. So see, those are some of the things we're trying to fix right now is what is reasonable time. Okay, and this is bill what? Uh, 1383, House Bill 1383, and it'll be going uh, back through uh, aging children and youth next week. All right. We appreciate you for stopping by and talking with us. Let's get to the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We got 25 minutes till 3. Doug House came by. He was going to appear with us here uh, during this half hour, but now I've uh, told him after he gets done with the meeting that he had to run off to. It's a, they uh, they kind of had a, a well, what a happened is, meeting or something. Yeah, well, it was on a reschedule. It was you know his his bills are not have not all been heard yet. One that hasn't is this changing of the payment of how it's going to be made for cola, and and uh, what's going to be very interesting is going to see um, a lot of people got upset when they saw that they're, they're going to to decide what the COLA is going to be uh, for these pensions that people get, whether they're teachers or police or, or whomever they are that are government workers. And uh, when I had the governor on Thursday of last week, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, that he said... I think they have uh, a cost of living increase coming. He and I would disagree there because until all uh, public entities as long, or private entities give a cost of living to everybody who works yeah. for them, uh, I don't believe that you promise a government entity that they're going to get a COLA. Uh, I think the, the the important part is to remember is that you shouldn't be guaranteed anything on that. All you should be guaranteed is what your pension. Act, what you're actually guaranteed. Yes, and your so, pension. And so from from what I from what I gathered from hearing Representative House is that they were not guaranteed cost of living increases. They were guaranteed their pension, and that if it wasn't for these cost of living increases, the pensions would would actually become um, solvent. Whereas right now, some of them are, are behind. Yeah, they're yeah. way behind, and, and that's what uh, State Representative House is concerned about. They're, they figure with some changes, they can make them uh, solvent, or in with them, well, I think it'd be said between six and eight years that it's going to take that long. 
I mean, there's some of these pensions. They're twenty million dollars in yeah, arrears. Some, some of them are in pretty kind of kind of hard hard shape. Shabby and, and, shape. And if, yep. and if we don't have somebody that's got a backbone to come along and, and maybe make some decisions that are make that are going to make some people scream a little bit, it'll probably get worse. Yeah, I forget exactly what uh, he said. He sent me a, a, a text last night. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, when we were talking about this, and his statement was, my bill returns authority to the pension trustees to award up to uh, the lower of 3% or consumer price index. Just trying to make sure the pension systems will survive. We are spending borrowed money from current employees, giving them an IOU, and planning to let the grandchildren pay off the debt. Right. And, and kind of like our the, own Social Security In the system. private sector, you go to jail for rent a Ponzi scheme if you mm-hmm. do something like that, if, I, if my understanding is correct. I mean, that's, you're not allowed to do that in the private sector, if I understand that correctly. It's that, that would be called a, a Ponzi scheme. All right. Well, he said that I asked him yesterday if he'd come on at 2.30. He said yes. He came by said that he could, he wouldn't be here at 2.30. He'd be here as soon as that meeting got over with. He said uh, last night, in fact, he said, the phone won't stop ringing. Yes, probably for 2.30. <laughs> uh, and I understand what he's saying. You know, nobody likes to hear that whatever they were getting extra over their pension may be cut back considerably. They may not get the raise every year yeah, or whatever so, it is. You know, that's, that's what people are upset about, and the retirees mm-hmm. are, are yelling about it. So we'll just have to see you know, how, how but, this all works out. But we're trying to get State Representative Doug House on right. to talk about it. Right. And, but to put some of that in perspective, on some level, if I understand it correctly, this is not money that you put in. You're, these cost of living increases are is actually coming from other people. And so... Yeah, well, it's coming from the future retirees. Yeah, it's, it's coming from the people who are who are working now, which means it ain't your money. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what uh, we need to talk kind of straight about. This is that when, when you're asking for a raise from other people that you weren't entitled to because of the contract that you had with your with the state government or, or city government, you're kind of asking for people to give you something that you're not entitled to. I mean. The, 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 you shouldn't get heartburn over something that you're not entitled to. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this all works out. Uh, that somebody needs to make some decisions, though, because right now many of these pensions, and we'll talk directly to uh, State Representative Doug House about them, are are not solvent. I want you to hear that again. They are not solvent, which could mean that. 10, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, they could go belly up. Yeah, and that, if they go belly up, that not only means that you lose the COLA, you lose the whole pension. Well, and what and what may end up happening is that in 20 years, your grandkids get a big tax hike. Well, sure, to pay for it. Because you didn't have the fortitude to step back and say, you know what, I'll, I'll forget, forego this this increase that I want that I'm not entitled to that I'm not going to put on my grandchildren right right and that's kind of and, and that's what Doug was referring to when he 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 sent his answer back to me so you know it's it's you know it's not the quote 
sexy topic. You know, it doesn't no. deal with guns. It doesn't de- deal with free speech or, you know, the conference of state or state or whatever. Right. It, it has to do with everyday type of issues mm-hmm. that uh, these guys have to wrestle with all the time. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's one that's not very fun to, to work with because, yeah, people are going to be ticked off. Yeah, and people, and you know, Doug understands that it's, it's, there's a reason why they're at the position they are now, and you have to pay, you know, the piper sooner or later, and mm-hmm. he wants to pay it now so they don't look at, they have to pay something far more draconian later. Yeah, if you're, if you're in a river that's running toward a, toward a waterfall, when do you want to get out of the river? Or when you and you're swimming towards it, <laughs> when you want to turn around and start swimming away from the, right. the when, waterfall. Yeah, when do you want to grab the grab the branch and get out of the river? Yeah, or, absolutely. But, but yeah, in this case, it looks like we're yeah you are swimming towards it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's what they're doing. So they're trying to make some adjustments, and uh, as soon as uh, Doug can get to us after this special meeting that was called, and I'm sure it's to talk about what we're talking about right yeah. now. Uh, we'll see what he has to say. It's the reason you listen to the show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. If you're a retiree, you want to know what's going on. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. ca- try to keep you uh, engaged in all of that. If you're a person who believes in the Second Amendment, we'll keep uh, in touch with all the Second Amendment bills that are going on right now. Same thing with First Amendment. And again, let me just... Remind everybody that uh, the freedom of speech legislation got through the uh, Senate Education Committee today. Uh, it was unopposed when they voted on it. Everybody voted aye. And it now will move on to the, uh, the well of the Senate. They'll debate it and then they'll have the vote. And I expect that it will be uh, a, a vote that passes it and moves it on. And then it goes to the House. It goes through the same process again, committee, then vote of the House, and then it would go to, if passes on both the next two uh, segments, then goes to the governor's uh, desk uh, to be signed. With that all said, bringing you up to date on that, let's take a break. Coming up in the next hour, uh, State Senator Rapert is going to join us to talk about his piece of... uh, of uh, legislation that made it through uh, the health committee today dealing with abortion. That's all coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we are on the third floor on the House side and uh, have been in touch with several people as they've walked by to try to get them to stop by here. What's happening on the House side right now? There are committee meetings going on and they're done meeting as a group, and now they're out at their different committee meetings. They had some committee meetings this morning. The Convention of States for the House was meeting today. I don't know what other meetings that they had. There's usually maybe about half a dozen committee meetings going on in the mornings, and, and a lot of times they're, there's kind of, they're kind of set committee, committee meetings that go on in the mornings, but sometimes they may either spill over into the afternoon or maybe just another committee will meet. Got to have more discussion on that. But they have. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they, <laughs> maybe they're trying to catch up or, or whatnot. And so well, they, let me tell you what. I thought that's what was going to happen in education today. They were, they were dealing with some other different things earlier this morning uh, as far as vocational schools. 
and um, some people evidently had gotten their feelings hurt because they didn't feel like they were being heard enough and so they wanted to go in and, and whine and cry. There, sh- there should have been a sign on the wall. No, I'm telling no you, whining. no whining. Uh, and said, because they were all saying, well, yeah, this we could understand where a lot of this is going to be very beneficial, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we weren't told soon enough. And yeah, yeah and it's like, sit down, just shut up. Yeah, you, you, you're going to be happy about this. And finally, when it got to be voted on, it was a, vo- a voice vote, and it sounded to me like, uh, I think there looked like there were like seven or eight people there. Probably two people voted against it. No. You know, and it, it went on through, and then when we had to vote on the freedom of speech, it was uh, unanimous. There were, Nobody said nay. Nice. Which was, uh, I made me very happy. Yeah, yeah that, that should mean that it's going to get through. Uh, the the full Senate. I, 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 I something I, behind the scenes. I expect it probably will with with Joyce Elliott and Chesterson Chesterfield both voting yay. Both and voting yes. That'll committee. probably that'll probably encourage some of the other Democrats to cause they, yeah, they, because they are, they are if you both. Don't, if you don't want anybody to to know you didn't uh, vote against the bill, you don't wait until it's in the in in the well of the Senate where you got to cast. You put, yeah, you put your name on it like there. That. You kill it, if you can, while it's in mm. committee. And then uh, nobody knows what happens. A lot of times that's, that's true because they, if they don't do a voice or if they don't do a, a roll call, the names don't get mentioned. That's right. And you could you could say, I voted for it. I said I. They just must not have counted me. Mm. Or, they, or just, <laughs> you can just have the right to remain silent. Yeah. That's, uh, it's an interesting process. Mm-hmm. I personally think that all votes should be roll call votes because committee meetings are where bills go to die Mm -hmm. not to pass they go well to die and you know with with technology we could do this differently we could actually set it up to where everybody just votes on their phone and you either vote yes or no or because then then being out of your seat is no excuse seriously how much would it cost to put a button for each one of the senators or House members to push, that wouldn't be a problem. I don't. I don't think it'd be that big a deal. But the thing is, that they could do it. They and could have, have a tote board right there in the meeting room. But they they could do it on their cell phones or on their little tablets that they have for them. And um, in the House end, they have tablets for them. I don't think they do on the Senate yeah, end. I don't know if they use them that way. But um, they but, just but, figured but, out but there's such could, a thing as cameras. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I had to take that shot. <laughs> Because you know, right now you can watch uh, you can watch the committee meetings mm-hmm. uh, being streamed from yep. the Senate side. Yep. This is the first year you, the, you can do Senate. that. I forget how long the House has been doing ten or twelve years. They've been, They've been doing, doing it for a, for a long time, yeah. and uh, they finally figured it out. But anyway, uh, we're killing a little bit of time here. Yeah. Uh, Doug House will be with us a little later you on. And I will tell you, Greg Letting there. Yeah, coming up here. Yeah. Coming up in the in the uh, see if he wants to yeah go up and ask him if he wants to come here tell ask him if he wants to come up and talk about the red flag legislation and we'll see see if he wants to come over and talk a little bit see if he's got time I think he's telling I think he's telling Paul he can't do it but we'll see we'll see but anyway I'd like to get either him or Bond on and if they are going to file or not file uh, you know a red flag law. Because they're the two that are the only two that have been talking about it, and they kept telling us 
they had bipartisan support, and I'm doubting it unless they're mm-hmm. counting bipartisan as, well, we got one Republican that'll vote for it. What did he say? He didn't have time? Yeah, he's waiting on somebody right now. And he, he actually kind of mentioned something about his red flag. That, that it's kind of sound like it, it may not even happen this session. So I it, don't it, think it, it's it, – look, it may, I told you when I heard that. that yeah, I don't, was, I don't think it had much chance of happen. passing, but I think his implication was it may never become a bill. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And he, or something. I've so. left him uh, phone calls. Yeah. And ask him to well, join he, us. he did say that he would try to come. He would come on this session. I think, okay, is what he was saying. Or something. How about that? To. Yeah. I feel lucky. We're going to get Greg well, Letting on at we, least one time. Yeah, we got him on last session, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, but we did several times. He didn't mind coming on. Yeah. Now uh, they kind of scurry around and stay yeah. away from uh, our side of where we're at. They don't want to be. And now he's a senator. Yeah, See, he's. What? He's 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 one of the illustrious yeah, we, maybe, thirty-seven. Yeah, maybe he'll file a bill that we like, and we can have him on. Yeah, that'd be so nice. we, we can be friends. Yeah, that would yeah. be tough. Well, I don't know. Well, he might. We, he may. He he may come up with something that's that we like, and and you know, haven't seen anything yet. I don't. I don't know what he's filed in the past, but but the thing is that he might, and and I I want to encourage even the Democrats. I'm going to be that, honest. I like letting. Uh-huh. He's a nice guy. Yeah. So was Clark Tucker, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get behind them yeah. just because of which party they belong. Yeah, to. and the thing is, that I still want to work with them because sometimes they they they'll bring up some decent bills. Clark Tucker had a had a pretty decent one last last legislative yeah, session. Yeah, that we talked about, right. which was dealing with ethics, corruption stuff. We haven't heard much. We've heard stuff about ethics, mm-hmm. but nothing. I don't believe. Only Mark, one that one bill from Mark Johnson has been presented and it moved so. on, wasn't to, it? I'm trying to think of what else. There's so many bills that get filed, and um, I do recall seeing something. I, I can't remember. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark filed a bill. Did he file one about ethics? There, there, somebody filed Johnson, one. Yeah, his was that if that, you. You, you committed a, yeah. Okay. If you There's committed that. a felony while yeah. Yeah, in, in conducting the business right, of the, the state, right. and then, then you were you know an elected official that you lost your pension. Right. I've seen that one, and Mark Johnson also filed one. I think it was about um, uh, where you would go to court. Because right now, I, I think when you're in certain types of, of cases, you automatically go to Little Rock. But I think his his was going to allow you to to actually go to closer go to court areas and closer areas that are closer to you for for certain types of cases. And I don't, I think maybe for like constitutional type challenges and stuff like that, which right now is kind of um, unfavorable toward. Um, the kind of conservative cause because I think the, the the judges in Little Rock are less are less conservative they're kind of more left leaning and so I think you that, think yeah anyway bottom line is this is that we're trying as hard as we can to follow all the legislation that's running uh, rampant around here and it's not easy to do if you've got you know, six different committees meeting on the House side at the same time as four committees are meeting on the Senate side, unless you have a, a huge group of people that mm-hmm. are working with you, uh, things you can get by before you know. Although we've got our people that we talk to and we say we're looking, what did this bill do or that bill and mm-hmm. who voted for, who voted against, we can usually piecemeal all that together we can try and and, and that's uh, there was i signed up on three different bills this morning to speak and i missed one of them because i, I couldn't be there I, I was i signed up to speak on jason rayford's um 
pro-life bill. Pro-life, yeah. And who we're going to talk to when we come back? And um, and so, but I, I wasn't there. I was I was in another committee watching the ones on um, waiting for the convention for, for the of convention states. of states and the um, the one on the threshold for getting a a, a minority party in oh, wherever you want okay. to call it. I saw you. I saw you in the uh, the freedom of speech, but you left. Yeah, I, I stepped I in there. I would have liked to watch that one too, and um, I, I figured with um, with y'all you, in there, y'all could probably handle if, that. If you if you had stayed, you and I would have started yelling, "No more whining!" <laughs> yeah, that's what we would have done. Anyway, we'll take a break. <laughs> it's the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor of the House side in the Capitol. Good to have you with us, uh, State uh, Senator. Uh, Jason Rapert will join us in the next half or next hour. Look forward to talking to him about this abortion bill. We'll also get him to bring us up to date on what's going on on his Facebook account. That's all coming your way after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I just got a uh, Grand Canyon University just sent me a uh, an email wanting me to come to school there. Why would I go to a school that doesn't believe in freedom of speech? That's where uh, Ben was supposed to speak. Really? And they, and they decided, blocked him, huh? Yeah, they blocked him. And what was weird about that, was the strangest thing about that, is that they said, well, we didn't do, we didn't bring him because some people were going to get upset. And we didn't bring him because if we had said no, people would got upset. And But what about the people who got upset because they didn't do either one? You know what I'm saying? You're gonna you're gonna tick somebody off. It doesn't matter well, who. You know, and, and one of the, the arguments that have, that's been made, I think, is that well, if some of these people are controversial, and that's going to bring out some criminals who are who will, who will engage in criminal activity and riots and such. You know, that's not a reason to shut down free speech. Hey, let me tell you what. When I was in 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 college, Angela Davis used to speak all the time at the universities in California and would be invited. And, of course, she was working with the Black Panther Party and all of that. And literally nobody would really complain about it. Mm-hmm. She'd come and say her piece and her craziness, and then somebody else would show up and talk against what it was that she believed in, and everybody went and had continued on with their lives. Mm-hmm. That's a, what we're, a, that, You know what? That's what we're trying to get done with this freedom of speech bill that we're trying to work through through here. Everybody can have their say. Right. And maybe we need to pass out a few pacifiers for people, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Be, because they're, they're, they're too immature to, to handle someone disagreeing with them. But at the end of the day, if, if we've got people running around that are so criminally insane that they're going to riot when someone comes out in public and says something they don't like, well, but that's what they say. That's what they've been doing, Paul. I finally, I had finally reached my my gall, my up to the the, my uh, you know too much of it. Mm -hmm. When ASU stopped a, a a conservative group from being there at the ASU campus, and the people were told that they couldn't be there because they were on. ASU's land. Oh, their land. Yeah, I, their thought, land, it, I huh? thought it was the, the people of Arkansas's land, but so we've been working on it for two years. It looks like it's going to do. Hey, Senator Jason Rayford's here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to him about what he's doing because he did. He got through uh, pretty big bill. The health uh, the health committee today, I think it was in the Senate. 
a very big bill. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Appreciate you having me on to talk about this. It uh, was Senate Bill 149, and Senate Bill 149 is what is commonly referred to as a trigger bill, and specifically an abortion trigger bill. As you know, uh, many legal scholars are predicting the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade and the other cases that have holding in that arena, which is the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case. Mm -hmm. Uh, They believe with the addition of Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, thank you, President Donald Trump, uh, that we are in a position to get closer to finally have a decision. And with Ginsburg, uh, we know will not be long on the court. Um, And I'm sorry for anyone to reach that point in their life. uh, But we obviously know she's at a point where she absolutely can't function right now. And if she's replaced. You know, all I can say when when she's replaced, Amy, Amy, Amy. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) And so uh, I think it was absolutely phenomenal last night as well when you think about it to have the Supreme Court. Uh, at the State of the Union address and for the president to address Congress passing a late-term abortion ban for the entire nation. And when he said, uh, you know, in the end, as he closed his remarks, uh, he absolutely left no question that um, children, all children, born and unborn, are made in the image of God. And that's my belief as a believer and that's the belief, frankly, of a lot of people that aren't even necessarily church folks. They do yeah. understand that God's a creator of life. Right. And a lot of people can understand that, that ripping the arms and legs off of children, mm-hmm. when you can actually identify them as arms and legs, you're killing somebody. Yeah. You're, you know what they show? If they show that video that they have of what it's like to go in and dismember a baby in womb, you'd be surprised at how fast people go from being pro-choice to being pro-life. That's right. And and to hit the, the gist of this for your listeners, uh, what that Senate Bill 149 does is say this. At the very moment that the court makes a decision that would overturn Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood, whatever holding that they cite, that restores the rights of the states to actually prohibit or regulate abortion, then Arkansas immediately would abolish abortion in our state except to save the life of the mother, which is the national right to life stance. And my, if you can go on to the Arkansas Senate webpage, if you go to the ArcLeg website and go to the Senate, you can pull up the live stream, red button, you can go to the recordings, and you can look at the testimony today in the Senate Public Health Committee. Uh, I was in there six years ago in that same committee room, proposing the Arkansas Heartbeat Protection Act. Yep. And within a month or so of that date, March the 6th of 2013, this state passed what Jerry Cox informed me I did not know until Jerry walked up. He said, Jason, I think you've just passed the strongest pro-life bill in America since Roe v. Wade in a state legislature. I didn't know that. Well, I found it out because that's when all of the attacks came against me. That's why they have come against me now for six long years is simply started with our pro-life stance. And it's been added on by other pro-family stances that I have. But this state has said time and time again, Dave, we stand for life. They pulled the Heartbeat Protection Act back in 2013. Arkansas people stood behind it. And Amendment 68 says that Arkansas 
believes that life begins at conception and it shall be protected in our state. Except, and there's only exception to that is to save the life of the mother. Abortion will be prohibited. What we found in looking at that, if Roe were overturned tomorrow, there is no enabling legislation to carry out the enforcement of that constitutional provision. There's no descriptions, no definition of what that means. And so uh, in talking with Jerry and, uh, and other scholars in the pro-life arena, um, they, say, they say, yeah, we need enforcement language. And so even, even today, you could see that it's still a very tense issue for people to make that vote. Oh, yeah. But I was very, very pleased that the Public Health Committee passed that out. I did not hear any audible no's. Uh, so it passed out of that committee, and I will say that uh, I'm going to give some credit here. I'm a man, but I will tell you when people throw up and say, you have no right to speak up on that, let me tell you something. Securing the right to life is not a male or female issue. That's a civil right issue of humanity. And you have children. And I have children. I have daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But today I will say, uh, Melinda Chisholm spoke today and melinda shared her testimony if you want to go watch something and watch what abortion does to a family and to a mother go pull up and watch it's the most riveting uh, rose mims reached out to me said it's a very powerful testimony and rose has heard a lot was she the one that uh, spoke at the marsh for life no okay she's not but melinda had an abortion as a teenage girl and she then laid out what it has done in their family now the good thing is melinda actually now is the director of a pregnancy resource center in moralton arkansas and also in bigelow arkansas and she works uh, with young girls but for the purposes of making sure to put it out here for your your listeners over three thousand right at thirty seven hundred i believe was the number abortions occurred in arkansas in 2017 even though we have continued to see those abortion numbers go down because of a lot of things we've done in the legislature and education, you still had nearly 10 a day, okay? And, I, again, I'm, I don't have my notes with me. That was in my notes today on how many in Arkansas. But we do know that since 1973, 60 million. And in the findings of our bill, if people go out and pull up SB 149, you'll see the findings there where we talk about we address the Supreme Court directly because the Supreme Court absolutely has the ability and has a record of overturning their own precedent yeah. when there's a grave injustice. And what we're saying is just as African Americans were dehumanized by the Dred Scott decision, mm-hmm. just as separate but equal was shot down finally. After 58 years, they finally knocked that down with Brown versus Board of Education. Dehumanizing a class of people in our nation goes against the tenets of the Constitution and against our own individual sensibilities. And we're saying, why do we not understand that those infants alive in the womb have rights just like everyone else? And in this case, we've got the Supreme Court not only saying that, well, the infants don't have rights, they can't have rights, is what the Supreme Court has essentially said. They're basic, they've basically trampled on the states by saying the states cannot save the lives of these children, which is a gross misconduct, is gross misbehavior 
by the court by the mm-hmm. Supreme Court justices. I think they should have been impeached over Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I, I think they should have been, I, and I think that we should be doing that this yeah. on the state level. I'm going to go ahead and, and say it this way. First of all, um, this bill will be on the on the Senate floor tomorrow. Okay. So this, you know, when this when these bills leave these committees, they're like a train, and you've got a you've got stops. When it gets on the Senate floor, there are probably some things said there that are going to be pretty rough uh, in, in contrast to what our values are. But the people of Arkansas are pro-life. We've shown that by voting for Amendment 68. And had it not been for Roe v. Wade right now in the federal courts, abortion would be abolished in Arkansas. And what we now see is the ability with this trigger bill is that this legislature, these 135 legislators and Governor Asa Hutchinson, can put in place the empowerment legislation that as soon as that window opens, we shut her down. And that's what I'm asking them to do. And I want to tell you on on the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court absolutely should take up for the life of children all over this country and just flat outlaw abortion, period, except to save the life of the mother. That's what I believe. I I can't imagine in our country. The problem is, up until 1973, the precedent in our nation was we protected innocent life. Yep, right. And the state, the states outlawed it in many cases. That's exactly and, and right. The courts didn't get in their way. And and so we're we're at a point. And I'm going to tell you, I've been up here in this thing for nine years now, Dave. This state and our nation, if we do not handle the cult of death that abortion has become. When you have a governor in Virginia to sit up and speak as a physician and say that it is allowable and acceptable to let a baby be born alive and lie there and die on a table. Well, but first they'll take care and put a blanket on it, keep it warm. What kind of country is this? I agree with you. I've been saying that for years and years and years. If it had been a puppy, you might go to jail. And I brought that up today, and I told them, I said, men we have, men and women, we have voted on legislation that will imprison people, take away their liberty, find them, hold them guilty of crimes for puppies and kittens, but we don't have the same even for these little babies. And, and look, um, my mother was telling me one time, she said, there's no reason for people to use abortion as birth control anymore. That's exactly And that's the truth. There are plenty of things available. If you do not want to have a baby, you can use birth control. And I I do not reject that for anybody. It's perfectly available. And and, and my my own family, um, there was a season when I, I got married at 18 years old. We did not need to have children at that particular time. We couldn't take care of them until we got our educations and did that. And that's something my family, we used family planning, okay? And I don't fault anybody for doing that. But taking the life of of innocent unborn children is not acceptable. As you know, I ran off the Senate floor. I want to tell you, Mary Bentley is going to be running this in the House. Okay, I just saw Mary a moment ago. Yeah, Mary is going to be running it in the House. And here's what I wanted to share right here. Can I take just a minute? Yeah, go. This came to me, was shared on Facebook by a friend of mine. And it so uh, got my attention, I asked him if he could have this lady to contact me. She called me from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And this is what she said. It takes just a moment. She told me I could share this. 
She said in the late 70s until the early 2000s, my mother was an administrator for Hillcrest Clinic, an abortion clinic in Norfolk, Virginia. During that time, I had pro-choice shoved down my throat. I was always led to believe that the fetus between 0 and 12 weeks gestation looked nothing like a baby but more like a tadpole. Mm -hmm. In 1996, I started working at the clinic. My first position was working in sterilization, basically cleaning up the tools, equipment, etc., and running the autoclave. It was not a pretty job, to say the least. Not being able to stomach that position only a few days, my mother placed me in the procedure room assisting the physician. One of the duties was to examine the fetal tissue to make sure that everything was there. Very gruesome, she says. After my first procedure, I left the room in tears. I immediately went to my mother's office sobbing and saying to her, You lied to me. My whole life, you lied to me. The patient in the room was eight weeks pregnant, and the tissue I examined was body parts. I saw a foot with five toes, a hand with five fingers. It's not a tadpole, she said. Hence, she moved to the front desk, checking in patients, and for the few months I was at this position, I noticed repetitive women. So repetitive that we were on a first-name basis. Needless to say, I stopped working at the clinic. I realized I was brainwashed for the better part of my life. And she closes by saying, thank God the clinic is closed down. In conclusion, abortion is murder. This is this woman speaking. And it's used as a form of birth control. And I hope and pray in my lifetime Roe v. Wade is overturned and murders will cease on the unborn. There are stories after stories. Melinda Chisholm that I mentioned earlier. She shared her story. I want you to know I've been sent testimonies from 4,000 ladies who have had abortions and who have come to deal with that, come to grips with that, and they, they are speaking out. And judge the federal judge in Little Rock, Arkansas, back when the heartbeat bill was being heard, refused those women to have their testimonies included in the record And they're the only voice alive today from an abortion procedure that can speak about what that means to them. We have to be more humane in this country, and humanity starts with caring for the innocent, unborn human life in a mother's womb. And I hope that uh, the legislature will pass SB 149 and that when Representative Bentley presents it on the House floor that they will pass that and the governor will sign it. I can only say I would hope so as well. Um, Being a Christ follower like you are, I can tell you that when New York did what they did about abortion at any time, and the same thing in Virginia, my my heart didn't just hurt. My spiritual heart broke. Yeah. It says something serious about Mm -hmm. our country. And to see those people Mm -hmm. like they were dancing in the street about it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, from a spiritual perspective... These people are blinded, and they're absolutely uh, looking through a veil. And, and, it's, and it's, very, it's very damaging for the country to have anyone not care about that innocent life because that means there are other issues that we deal with that they don't even see clearly. Mm-hmm. Because when you can't see that you would care for an innocent little baby, you make some decisions that are not really uh, – what you, we might say would be according to biblical views. Either. Yeah, I would agree so. with that. All right, let's get a break. When we come back, we'll have just a couple of moments with uh, State Senator Jason Rapert. I want to ask him what's going on with his Facebook. That's oh. a big. That's a big <laughs> deal as well. We'll do that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick yeah. Show.
Yeah, second floor house side, uh, or third floor house side, is where we're located. Our uh, guest, State Senator Jason Rayford, and uh, one other question I had for you. Bring us up to date on what's happening with your Facebook page. Well, um, do you mean the American Atheist lawsuit yeah, against yeah, me? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, currently um, there is an active lawsuit, a federal lawsuit against me. They're suing me officially and personally. So the attorney general is representing me officially, but I have legal expenses that I have to take care of personally because uh, this is their style. They want to silence. They want to bludgeon. They want to choke any voice that speaks in a way that is not... Uh, um, in support of their views. That's correct. And so the American atheists, uh, and I want to say, I want to take a minute to say this. The lawsuit is one thing, but the man named Stefan Ferry in Conway, Arkansas, that came down and badgered me for two years and finally got to the point that he got arrested, convicted, and sentenced to jail for six months for filing a false police report against me, happened to divulge things during that process that connects him to the Freedom From Religion Foundation and Matt Campbell, who filed the lawsuit against me with the American Atheist. Mm-hmm. And it so happens that Matt Campbell, and you're getting breaking news because I've sat on this for a while, but Matt Campbell sent me a message in February of 2017, a year before the man came down and did what he did in Washington State, and I've got it, and I'd be glad to share it with you so you can have it. 10.51 p.m. at my house, a phone number shows up with a text message and says, Hey, Stanley, that's my first name, mm-hmm. says, How's your family? Is everyone still alive? Wow. Yours in Christ, Matt. Let that, me have not, you hold. Just keep yeah. us here and uh, pull down the news, and we'll continue talking to the state senator. And that was sent to me. All right. We cut into this break. Uh, we played the commercials that we had to and things of that nature because I wanted to get back and and uh, let the uh, senator have his say on this. And he was talking about Campbell, and mm-hmm. I'll let you pick it up there. Yeah, Mr. Campbell sent me what most people would say is a threatening message when you message somebody in the middle of the night. The reason he had sent me that message because he had just sent a map out to my personal home with my wife's cell phone number on the Internet encourage people to come see me. And this is the man that is behind the original atheist lawsuit. So the American Atheist filed that lawsuit in October of 2018, trying to interrupt my election in Faulkner County. Right. They were unsuccessful with that. And as you know, Mr. Campbell was their lead attorney. And then somehow, for some reason, I think it's because he understands that I absolutely have his number uh, related to his threatening message to me. He uh, has this case dismissed because he didn't he didn't do his job for them. They refile that Uh, at the same time in October. The front cover of the National American Atheist magazine happens to be me. They sent me out all over the country on the front page of their American Atheist magazine, and they're sending emails out trying to raise money, and they say that the worst Christian, and this is their word, supremacist in the country is State Senator Jason Rapert. And you know why, Dave? It's real simple. I've always stood up for the lives of unborn children. I stand up for religious liberty. I don't try to force people to believe the way that I do. You can believe however way that you want to. And it's interesting to me that they would come to my own personal Facebook page and get upset about what I believe. You don't have to come and read my page. That's right. You you don't have to do any of that. And so what has happened is that I have rules on my page. And those rules say that if you intimidate people, if you harass people, or you use profanity, you are uh, signing your own ejection ticket. 
because the government doesn't pay for my page. Government staff doesn't run my page, never have run my page. I had my pages before I ever was even elected to the Senate. And also, I was ordained into the ministry before I ever got into the Senate as well. And so we've got this gentleman, uh, maybe I use that term loosely, Mr. Campbell, that puts this lawsuit together, gets the American atheists to back it. They find four people in Arkansas who, by the way, are Democrat activists who actually have been involved with my opponents in their campaigns over the last several years, and they absolutely had a discussion and said, we're going to file a lawsuit. Mr. Campbell is on record with Mr. Ferry that has the conviction against him soliciting people to send them money to help him sue me for viewpoint discrimination. So they went out and absolutely, listen to this, Arkansas, if you stand up for what you believe in, you stand up for the Bible in the public square, they solicit people to come against you, to sue you, to try to shut you down. So where it stands right now is they actually wanted a temporary restraining order, get this, Dave, that says that Senator Rapert cannot say anything that might be derogatory against another political or religious belief on my home page. Do they, do they make restraining orders like that? They absolutely made a motion. Now, that's uh, uh, the motion. Does that ever happen? I don't. Is there I any don't precedent? For I, that I don't I don't know if it happens or not, but I can tell you that uh, obviously it's amazing that they would even file such a motion. And so we're confident that the attorney general and my personal attorneys hopefully will be successful, but here's the bad news. The federal judge in this case has struck down every marriage law and every pro-life law that's ever come before her. And look who she's sitting in judgment over now. Is this Webb? Judge Christine Baker. Baker, okay. And I hope, be one I hope that Judge Baker will make her decision based on the law and do what's right. You cannot make Dave Ellswick stop saying what you believe. That's right. And, it, and it's, an, it's ridiculous to think that they could force you to let somebody come on your social media page and cuss you and curse you and hijack your page and bully people that actually are trying to utilize your page. So that's the essence of where that's at. And I want to tell you, I asked the attorneys, I said, you know, you don't think she might actually rule in their favor on this. Well, they hope she won't. And arguments thinks that thinks the arguments are sound, but I want to tell you this: I've told them you're getting ready to find out how much you believe in the First Amendment, because I am not going to stop speaking up for what I believe and advocating for the people that have supported me and put me in office. And I was ordained to the ministry before I got into politics, and I believe absolutely that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Allah's not going to get you there. Buddha's not going to get you there. A hundred Hindu gods aren't going to get you there. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. And I'm going to say it whether I'm on radio or TV or I'm on Facebook. And so when people start doing this, this is what the Democrat liberal extremists are trying to do. They do not want us to be able to speak up for the things that we believe in. And so they try to bludgeon you through the courts. That is there. uh, And here's the thing. You can tell a lot about a person by the folks he runs with. You can also tell a lot about a person by the enemies that he has. I don't go looking for these fights, but I'm not going to run from them. 
and I appreciate the people of Arkansas to help me out. And if they want to show their support, one of the reasons they really don't like me is November we launched the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. Lawmakers from all over the country are gathering together. We're going to hopefully have our first national meeting this year. So they can go to ChristianLawmakers.com. That's all they need to do, ChristianLawmakers.com. Sign up, get involved with that effort. And here's the deal. Whether I'm in the Senate or I'm not, I'm going to continue to stand up for traditional American ideas, traditional American values, and for the U.S. Constitution, and I will not let these folks silence me from doing that. Well, we've known that for a long time. I mean, you put <laughs> and, up with a lot of this garbage well, well, for years and years and years. And yeah. you're, you're in a position where I think you can make a stand, and um, so that, that'll be interesting. I want to say one last thing, and then I'm about, you need to move on, I'm sure, but last night at about 10.50, I get a picture sent to me of an event, apparently, that's going to be held at Vino's in Little Rock, Arkansas. So Vino's puts this event out that has my picture, and the event is called I Hate God. And they've got my picture on it, and they've got fangs portrayed biting into a baby, splitting a baby in half. And here's the deal. At Vino's, I hope you're listening. I don't know who, I don't know who owns Vino's, but if you are, I want you to give me a phone call. I want you to call me in the Arkansas Senate. Come see me. I'm just down the road from you. But I want to tell you something. Enough is enough. When you do something so vile, and I want you to know, Vinos, I don't know what you normally get on your advertisement, but I shared your picture, and I told people that I'm I'm done with it. And I've told people, don't go down to your establishment. As long as you've got this up, they need to take that down. They need to apologize to me. But there's 369,000 people that have been reached with my one post and i haven't boosted it i didn't pay for that Twenty-two thousand people have reacted to it Thirty-three thousand views of their photo Eleven thousand comments 195,000 engagements i think that's a sign right there that people are tired of these folks trying to bludgeon think if i did that to nancy pelosi think if i did that to maxine waters what the public would do but no, it's okay when you come after somebody that stands up for traditional values. It's okay for you to do that to them and to mock them and their faith. By the way, we have discrimination policies that keep you from discriminating against people on their faith. Now, if I was a Muslim, oh, they'd probably come up here and, and, and apologize immediately. But because I'm a Christian, they think they can get away with that in our community. So let me just tell you, this little redneck boy from Supply, Arkansas, that showed up in Conway and have worked all these years in my service and been elected four times up here, the buck stops here with me. Mr. President Truman had a good saying. I don't go looking for the trouble, but I'm never going to run for the trouble, and I'm always going to stand up for what the people of Arkansas believe in. And it's these folks at Venos can believe that way, but they do not have a right to use my image without my permission and do what they're doing, especially on something that they know invokes such outrage as biting into a baby, because they know what that means. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, i got a microphone always open here, Jason, if you ever want to come on and, and say anything. Well, one of, these day, one of these days I might just buy the time and just let people hear what really is being said towards those of us that are standing up here in this Arkansas House and Arkansas Senate. People need to be more civil. And, you know, that's what I, I'm offended at is that people aren't civil. I don't want people harming others. I've, I've sat down here, and I've got to get off here. I've got to go to a meeting. 
But, Dave, I've had protesters come up here that came to protest me, and I've ended up taking them and sitting them down in the Senate conference room with me and listen to what they have to say and let them know we don't have to agree, but I don't want people to persecute you. I don't want people to be mean to you. I don't want people to harm your lives. I want you to live a wonderful life. And by the way, these were gay marriage protesters, okay? Yeah. I don't agree on that issue, but you know what? I want them to have a good life. I don't want people to, to discriminate against them. And that's the kind of thing that you need to do as a society to live and let live is what they say, right? But the problem in America right now is they say you live my way or don't live at all. And that's the problem in the country. When you're coming against the values, the traditions, may I say even sociologically the norms and mores of the community, those are the things that the liberal extremists have a problem with. And so I'm just thankful that we still live in a state where most of the people have good sense is what I would would say. So thank you for having me on. No problem. You keep fighting from your end. We'll keep fighting from our end about right. freedom of speech and making sure everybody has their say. Thank you for what you do. Thanks a lot. Bye. Appreciate you, Senator. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Doug House is here. We're going to talk to him about pensions next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Uh, we had uh, Jason Rayford on, state senator here from uh, the state of Arkansas. He had some interesting things to say. Uh, I wanted to th- I thank him personally for running that uh, that bill that went to health today in the Senate side and uh, unanimously uh, was passed through to be on the floor of the Senate tomorrow. And then if we're if we're right, Mary Bentley is going to be running in over on the House side next. So probably, we'll, we'll I, I bet it'll up. probably be next week for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's usually what yeah. happens. So. We'll see what happens. And uh, the freedom of speech bill got passed unanimously. It would probably show up tomorrow as well. And then it would be on its way over to uh, uh, the House as well. But right now, sitting right in front of us, we wanted to have him on at about 2.30. It's uh, quarter to four. He had get, get called off to another meeting. Uh, is State Representative Doug House. Mm-hmm. And we were talking yesterday and mentioning about people getting upset now for some reason somebody paid attention and read some of your legislation absolutely and said wait a second now what's this thing about cola that we're seeing here and by the way the governor was on last thursday said that he didn't want to see people lose their cola uh, money however he said, however they've been doing it he said was wrong the way they were doing it yeah yeah it is um you know uh, tell a little bit of the story behind it uh, about three months before two years and before the election two years ago speaker of the house called me into his office he asked me to do two things one was the marijuana and a lot of people have heard that story you know i've campaigned against it i fought against it i gave money against it spoke against it well it passed but he said somebody's going to have to implement the marijuana laws he said the other thing i want you to do we're talking about speaker gillum is to get into these pension systems and find out what's going on. Because we knew about the uh, liabilities continuing to go up and up and up and up. Okay, here's where we're at. Every pensioner, every retiree gets an annual 3% cost of living adjustment every year, regardless of the consumer price index, regardless of inflation, regardless of the price of gasoline or food or anything else. 
As far as I know, they are the only group of people in the state of Arkansas that get an annual 3% raise every single year. Okay. Without fail. Okay, that's great. My wife's a retired teacher, so I'm talking about my own money. If give that disclosure. All right, here's the deal. When a, an employee or a teacher has money taken out of their check, 35% and 38% as far as teachers, it's 35% for the public employees, comes out of their check, goes into the checking account, and is used to pay our retirees. And there's nothing essentially wrong with that. It's a cash flow thing. The uh, trustees could cash in a bunch of uh, uh, investments and pay the retirees, but instead they've got money coming in, so they use that to pay the retirees. Nothing wrong with that. So that leaves 65% of that money goes into the investment account, but that employee or that teacher receives 100% credit for the investment. So if it, let's just use $100. $35 goes to the retirees. 65 goes into the investments. But the retiree, but the employee receives $100 worth of credit because that's how much they had taken out of their check. Well, that's an immediate 35 cent, 35% shortage. So uh, over time, the liabilities, you now have borrowed money from that teacher or borrowed money from that retire, from that employee of the state or from the counties, as the case may be, and you now have created a liability. Now, they do have a plan to pay off that liability, and that's pass the debt on to your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Okay. That's the plan. All right. Sounds sort Sounds of like, like, like Social Security. Pretty close. Pretty close. Otherwise known as generational theft. Generational theft. That's it in a nutshell. I've gotten lots and lots and lots of feedback from retirees, most of it respectful. Most of it respectful. Most. A few nasty grams, but not many. I have had no or very, very little feedback from active teachers and active public employees because they have realized that their money is being used to pay retirees and they're being left a big IOU, just like Social Security. All right. With, with that in mind, when did they suddenly realize what it was that you were, were saying should be done? Well... I want them to. Ne- I don't want any of our retirees to have to do without medicine. I don't want them to uh, have to start eating cat food, anything like that. But what we need to do is let the trustees of the systems decide how much of a cost of living allowance they need to be paid on a yearly basis, and it would be limited to three percent or the consumer price index, whichever is less. And the trustees would be able to look at the system and determine, can we afford to give a COLA? How much can we give? And they would have to make a decision. Right now, that 3% is written into state law. It can't be changed by anybody but the legislature, and it is not paid for. Now, let me give you a contrary example. Our local fire and police officers... When they have money taken out of their checks, they pay in advance for that 3% cost of living adjustment. Our state employees, our county employees, and our teachers do not. It's gratis. It's gravy on top of the benefits that they do pay for. And the, mm-hmm. it, So that's the difference. All right. So how is this bill looking that uh, you've put up? I mean, where, where are we at? It's not a bill. You know, you 
you yeah. put up for people to look at and you decide to make it a bill. Well, of course, the Arkansas Public Employee Retirement System trustees, this was in the newspaper, they asked us to pass these bills to give them the authority. Uh, the teachers didn't ask us, but we've talked to quite a few of their uh, trustees, and they are supporting, yes, give us the authority to make the necessary adjustments. Uh, but they don't want to come up and take the heat right now, so that's fine. I understand that. I spent my whole career in the military as a lawyer telling generals and colonels, you know, things they didn't want to hear. Yes, you will go to jail for doing that. No, you can't do that. You will get sued. Yes, your wife left you. You know, yes, you owe yeah. that money and all of that. That's how I made my living, telling people things they don't want to hear. So I'm I'm fine with this. I knew it was coming. Um I'll tell people the truth. What they do with it, it's not my problem. Well, that's the problem. It's the truth. The bottom line, do you want to make these pensions, uh, you know, solvent or don't you? That's it. Well, and then and you, you mentioned so that some of the groups are actually paying for their cost of living increases. Yeah, teach, uh, the uh, local police and fire, they're right. paying for their right. 5% so, so, they, so they can actually claim that they are entitled to it. Absolutely. Whereas some of these others that didn't ever pay for it, they're asking for something that they don't they're not entitled to that's like that's like going to the restaurant and saying you know what i, I want an extra hamburger yeah but that's a new reality of america uh-huh. yeah and uh, and you know so we're not doing anything legislative that even affects the local fire police mm-hmm. we haven't filed anything yep. we're not doing anything that affects the judges they're almost solvent but, Lord, we pay in 30-something percent matching money for them, so they better be solvent. Wow. And uh, uh, the other uh, state police, we're not doing anything. You know, they've already had. And people think, well, our system could never go bankrupt. Wrong. State police had a system go yep. bankrupt on us 2009, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it can happen. Detroit, California, Illinois, they've had pension systems go belly up. We do not want that to happen. We want that pension system there for our people, our employees, our retirees 20 years from now. I'm with you. Doug, thanks for coming by and clarifying for everybody. Because I think that I, I don't see where people got an argument. You know, people to be like, honest People with do you. like their money, though. Well, yeah, they do, but they have to understand. Well, I guess they don't mind making their grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren pay for it. I had one lady, she was absolutely refreshing. She said, please don't take my cola. Kick this can on down the road and let the grandkids pay for it. My God. Oh, Thank my. you, Jesus, for a sweet, honest woman. <laughs> well, well it sounds about like one of the tenants I had. She wasn't real bright, but I suggested, you know what, you might cut back on some of your luxuries. Like, maybe you shouldn't drink so many soft drinks. And her response was, well, I like them. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she's honest. Right. Doug, thank you very much. You I appreciate you. Come back and see it. us when things are moving forward. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, let me remind you about PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Excited to announce uh, that they've acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services, and now they'll clean your gutters as well as they'll take care of a whole lot of other things for you. Uh, you know, now... When you've had Tommy's come out and clean, now it'll be PI roofing people that have come out and do the exact same things, only better as far as I'm concerned. And PI roofing uh, will give you also all that great comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise that you will need if you own a home. Learn more by just going to piroofing.com. All right, coming up in the next hour, 
It's time for Duck and uh, Joe to join us, and we'll talk about cars, a lot of things to talk about, this silly weather that we've got going on. When the, when the weather is, like, really warm for three days, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out again, and you get now you're going to get real cold weather, how does that affect your car? How does that screw things up? We'll talk about it all from the third floor house side here at the Capitol on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back in a moment. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. You want it down or up? Down. Down. Is that better? That's fine. Okay. I had got to, our ears adjusted. I had to turn their headphones down there, uh, Zach. If you're wondering what we're just doing, trying to blow my ears. We're, we're destroying. <laughs> we're destroying the uh, equipment here. What little eardrums we have? <laughs> I don't have much eardrums left. Me neither. Mine's all been used up. All right. So I was telling Joe here just a moment ago. That uh, R.D. found me an antenna for my car. He's going to drop it off at my house tonight. And then uh, then Joe was saying, well, come on over, and uh, it'll take about 45 minutes to put one in. The biggest problem is getting the headliner down. And that's what he was saying. And we did the last one. We just snuck, just took it loose at the back, and the covers off, just pried it down enough to get up there to get to the nuts. Because actually what we're replacing is not the, the mast. We're replacing the... What you would call the receiver part of it. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like the receiver a, head. It's like it, it, it's used not just for your AM/FM, but it's also used for your XM radio and all that. No. Okay. Yeah, so you're, it's like an LNB on a satellite. Right. Is. That's right. what we're putting on. Yeah. Your Sirius okay. radio, your uh, mm-hmm. OnStar, and all that's what goes to it. That's it. Well, maybe if I have it tomorrow, I can come by early, get it done. That way, while I'm driving home tomorrow, you night, I can listen. I can listen. You can listen to you can, you can to something you won't have seen yourself, Dave. <laughs> Boy, Miss Linda, be proud of that. You don't have to sing. Yeah, that's it. Boy, she doesn't like that. Detests it, to be exact. (laughs) All right, so I I mentioned something at the end of last hour. It's been really, really mild the last few days. Oh, man. It's been over 72 degrees uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tomorrow, the high is supposed to be 41. And then you know how warm it was this morning at 3.39? What time? What, what 67 it? degrees sitting okay, in my so, parking lot. All right. So that's right. You were watching robbers. Uh, <laughs> anyway. He was out in seek and destroy. So what does, that, what does that do to your car when the temperature varies like that? Does it cause any problem? It's, it's murder on everything. Okay. Well, the problem is my floor, and I got plastic on my concrete. You could ice skate on it. Sweats, yeah, sweating so bad, and and your cars, uh, the engines and the transmissions, they do the same thing. The high humidity and cold and hot temperatures, they do a lot with the uh, condensate and cause moisture to build up in your engine oil, transmission right. fluid, stuff like that. So. Yep, your rear end and all that. So you know, it's okay. it's hard on everything. So, so, is there anything specifically? Somebody who has a car or a truck or a truck uh, out there that they should be watching. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's kind of like we're in between the seasons, you know, and, and we always promote the fact that there's two times a year you got to get your car service, springtime and fall. Oh, yeah, yep. right. Leaving one season to the next one. Right now, you're in the area in Arkansas where if you don't like the weather, come back in a week and it'll change. Or come back in a couple hours. Yeah. So that's where we're at. But cars, you know, they're pretty resilient, Dave, but uh, some of the older ones, you had more trouble with them than you do these late models. And uh, as far as uh, drastic weather changes because of uh 
the types of electronic controls we have today on on some of the stuff and how it works heat ac systems you know you went from all winter long to having that heater on that heater actuator door has been planted over on the hot side and then the past week we had 70 degree weather so you're trying to get it 72 degrees in there so that door is going to open and it's going to blend in some ac air with that heater air in it duck yeah and it's going to stick and if it sticks you're going to have some heat ac you're going to say well it was working final i tried to turn the air on for them warm days and now i can't get it back on heat it's stuck on cold yeah i'm cold okay that's one drawback that i see that is more common than most anything is just the heat ac controls hanging up on them and not only that joe the cabin air filters look what they're catching oh yeah they're catching all kind of moisture through them and they probably need to be uh, serviced and checked. But yeah. If you're having any heat and AC problems, erratic control, sticking this, that, and other, probably need to get it in before uh, it gets back cold could, again. It gets cold again. If it's not going over to heat, we'll see you probably in the next three days because it's going to get down to the highs in the 40s. So. Yeah. And then two weeks from now, it'll be back up in the 70s again. So. 70 and 80. Yep. But, it you know. It says uh, Friday, the high of 41. Yeah. Saturday, a high of 42. What is the heat wave area? Sunday, 42. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to get back up, uh, according to this, uh, for Thursday to 68 tomorrow. Yeah. But we got a lot of rain moving into the yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah, it's real dark back to the west of us when I come it in. It's yeah. extremely humid outside. Yes. And, and, you know, I think that days when, you know, if it was 100 degrees outside, it wouldn't bother things as much as what it is when it's like 71 or 2 and the humidity is 100%. Yeah, well, I can understand that. And that makes all the sense in the world. But I'm um, looking, it looks like we're going to get into that that 40-degree range until next Thursday, and then we'll get up to mid-50s and level and, off there and level so. off in, in those areas as we get to about 50 degrees my favorite time of winter time yeah yeah mine's 72 it was pretty good yesterday yeah. I, day before when it was blue skies and mm-hmm. 73 degrees in fact it was almost it got up to 76 degrees it was beautiful yeah. nice yeah temperature just right yeah. we had all the doors open trying to dry the floors out and i think it, it made it worse that happened it usually you can open doors and let the wind blow through and it'll dry them up real quick but the ground is so cold and the temperature is so warm that, you know. concrete sweating. Yeah, and, and somebody said, you don't have plastic under it? I said, yeah, I yeah, got 40 there. mil plastic under it. It's yeah. there. It don't do any good. But the concrete is so cold, and, you know, now it's warming back up, and it's just. It does what part, it's supposed to do. Part of Arkansas weather. That's exactly right. It's it's expanding at that time. Yep. It's expanding. Do you yep. get, have you, you don't have the cracks that you had there at one time, right? No, they're the, still there. Are they still there? And that's a bummer, too. If you have concrete in Arkansas, if it ain't cracked, it will be cracked. There's something wrong with it. By the way, did you notice coming to work today on Mm -hmm. 67-167? They're removing some of the barriers. Really? They're getting rid of it. I was through there yesterday. I went to Cersei yesterday and picked up a Mac head. Well, I figured it it couldn't be long because I'm looking and it's like. No, they got stripes and everything down there. Yeah, they're not working. On on the new side? Yeah. Yeah. Northbound is going to be open probably in the next week or two. Yeah. Well, won't that be nice? Yes, it will. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're going to start tearing up somewhere. I don't know. I guess it's going to be north of uh, where they just stopped at. Yeah, I need to be there between that and Main Street. Yeah. I don't know which. Well, you know, when you, know. you leave, when you go through the first cabin exit and go on down there, 
that outside lane will beat you to death going down through there. Oh, absolutely. It is It is so bad. I ride in the inside lane all the way to BB mm-hmm. because it is, it is so rough down through there. All right. Phone number is 823-0965. 823-0965. If you have a question, these guys can give you the answer. And if they can't, I feel sorry for you. But the bottom line is they know so much that... They can help you out. Whether it's a gas burner or it's a diesel burner, doesn't matter. Before we go to our break, let me talk a little bit with you guys about Bumper to Bumper. Uh, we talk about them on Saturday. We talk to, about them on Wednesday. And, and we'll go ahead and just tell you the exact same thing that we've been talking about. And, uh, for instance, Duck came in today and uh, brought me this bottle. It's Power Service diesel 911 for winter emergencies you put this into your uh, your fuel on your uh, fuel tank on a diesel and uh, it will uh, keep the fuel from gelling up keep the water out of it yeah, yeah. and Dave that one bottle will trade 150 gallons I think okay it's Goodbye. marked on the end of it how much to pour in it yeah do about three four fill ups yep but it's uh, I had a truck come in full of water, and I kept some of the you know the fuel out of it and put it in a cup, and I put one cap full in there. And you absorbed it. It was solid white, Joe. I shook it, and you could just sit there and watch it just turn back to regular diesel fuel. That's good. I mean, and, you know, you know how we are about promoting something on the air. And, oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I tried before I told Dave about it. I come, I tried it at the shop, and so and then I had you know I had a bunch of that fuel left over because the guy just filled it. Yeah. And I tried it on two or three samples, and every one of them, it, it cleaned it. Yeah. You know, and it says here, if it's a fuel filter, take it out, and uh, 50% fuel, 50% of this here, mm-hmm. and yeah. totally clean out the fuel filter. Can you get it? Yeah, can you get it at Bumper to Bumper, right? Yes, they do have it. All right. That's where all that come from. I, they make two different brands. They make a red bottle, which use which we see right now. Right. But they also make a, a gray bottle. The gray bottle is for the summertime. Okay. The red bottle is basically for the wintertime. And, Dave, if you'll notice, see the lubricator on it? Yeah. No diesel fuel has lubricated in it no more. They took all the sulfur out of it. When they did, they took all the lubrication. Okay. This puts a lubrication back in it for your injectors, your high-pressure pump. It cleans your rail and everything, and uh, it's amazing what it'll do. That's, that's great cool. stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and any you know, bumper to bumper has it. Well, you should buy it and then keep it in the cab, right? Sure. Any anybody now since I've I've tried it and made sure it would work. Uh, if I get them through there and we're doing putting the injector or something other in it, I put some in the fuel before I send them home, and well, then it, I send them to fill it up. You know, it'd be good maintenance just uh, if, even if you didn't do it every tank, if you did it like every other tank, something like that. Well, what know? I do, I put I put a couple of ounces in it, then I'll give them the bottom. Tell them, when you fill up it for the next three or four weeks, put Pour you two or three in ounces it. in it. Yeah, yep. yeah. well, here's my, my, my thing. Is this something you would use just in a regular car that's a diesel? Yeah, if it's a any diesel, diesel. It's for any diesel motor. Because if you're traveling, let's say you, end, you find yourself... <laughs> And I feel sorry for you if you do. In uh, North Dakota, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you could see your fuel gel up there. Yeah, yeah it has all that in there too. It has all the gel stuff that kills it from gelling. Uh, you know, it, it uh, stops, it removes the water. Uh, it de-ices your fuel. You know, where if your fuel starts freezing and gelling up, it'll it'll take all that away. 
it's the best stuff that I have found. I sick my daughter-in-law on it, and she researched it, and and this is what we tried, and it did work. So I do sell it. You know, I, I keep it there in, in my in my uh, office. Uh, I keep both of them, the gray bottle and and they do make this Dave in a bottle. That's one bottle would do one tank of fuel. Okay. You know, this is how I carry it because you know my customer they all. They want it in the bigger bottle so they can carry one bottle instead of carrying four or five So does it bottles. make sense if somebody is driving their car, you know, put that in before you leave, and then you don't have to worry about it when you get there? They tell you to put it in before you fuel. Okay. The, you know, to put it in before you fuel. That way you're using the full amount of fuel. Yeah, yeah okay. then then you fill it up. All right. Well, you put it in for fuel that runs down the bottom of the tank, and then as you slosh and drive. It mixes it. It mixes okay. it up. Then once you fill it, then it you know makes it the rest of the way up. So. Uh, that's what they say, and you know. But I do know it dissipates water because I've I've got samples if they won't come look. All right, diesel power service nine one one. Yeah, you can pick it up over at bumper to, to bumper, bumper, any bumper to bumper location and to have it, or you can go see Duck. And it's about twenty dollars a bottle for that the big bottle. That's not bad. The little bottle, I think, is eight or nine dollars, best I can remember. Yeah, hey, it's cheaper than a set of injectors. They ain't no lie. Yeah, ten yeah. fifteen grand for that. So we've I heard got, that. Yeah. yeah. I got three sets sitting there now waiting to go in. All right. From the Capitol on the third floor, house side. We're kind of out of our our area here. <laughs> but uh, bottom line, we are here answering your questions about uh, cars, 823-0965, 823-0965. Your questions, your comments when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show live from the Capitol on 101.1 FM. And with me here on the third floor on the house side is Duck from Duck's Garage, Joe from Joe's Garage. You know them. They've been part of my show on uh, basically Wednesdays for the last 19 years. Long time, Dave. (laughs) I've lost count. First couple Mm -hmm. years, I quit counting. Yeah. So anyway, they've been around for a long time. You know that they know their stuff, and that's why I have them on. And we know that people like to hear what they have to say. Phone number here is 8230965. 8230965. Duck tells me we got a wet dry vac to give away. It's got the five gallon bucket, so it's uh, really easily moved around. Use it when you have spills and things of that nature. If you'd like it, be the third caller. 8230965. And you can have it. Uh, you just let me know, Zach, when we have our third caller. 823 823- 0965 and you get yourself a wet dry uh, back here on the Dave Ellswick show from the good folks at Duck's Garage to this this time. Yep. Next time we'll get it from Joe's Garage. That's it. Alright, let's talk brakes. Brakes don't uh, work as well as they used to. Well, I, wonder, I don't think they do. Well, actually they they work a lot better than they used to cuz they're they're most of them are four wheel discs now and and you know you, you have to remember that there was a time that stopping a car was difficult. It's not anymore because you got analog units. They're not going to you're not going to see any black marks if you right. if you just slam them on cuz it's going to pulsate the brake. But this is the this is the the symptom I had on this truck. It's a uh 2014 Chevrolet truck. Excuse me, GMC truck, four wheel drive. Customer's complaint is, I got a brake light on. My truck runs bad. I got white smoke coming out of the back of it. Oh jeez! And I'm having to add brake fluid to it. (laughs) 
it sounds like that guy that was having problems with his his uh, truck running right because whenever he filled up the radiator, it would run all right, but when it got down by about a half a cup, it wouldn't start. Yeah, well, this is not like that. <laughs> This is different, and the problem with this truck was, Duck, that the, somebody had put the wrong fluid in the brake master cylinder when they serviced it, well, and the O-rings up. Well, that brake fluid starts leaking out of the master cylinder, the back into of the it, booster. and it goes right into the brake booster. Right into the hey, intake. He's added enough brake fluid to this that the brake <laughs> master cylinder is two-thirds full. Oh, Lord. The vacuum line that feeds the, the, uh, the vacuum-operated brakes it's got so much brake fluid in there, it's sucking it over in the motor, causing it to run bad and, and white smoke. It's burning brake fluid. Yep. Oh, my. And he don't understand that. And, well, he yeah, doesn't. What a big surprise. He huh? knows he's adding fluid, but he doesn't see it leaking anywhere. Yeah, he's, he's looking on the ground, see if it's there's, run out of the ground. There's nothing leaking. So, anyway, basically what it amounts to is we put a new mass cylinder on it, a new brake booster, cleared his codes out of there, bled his brakes out real good. And basically got him back on the road and, uh, you know, and we actually did a brake repair to make a truck run right and stop smoking. But that was what I was getting wow. at in my story. But the so thing doesn't about that blow your mind right But there. the thing yeah. about it, Joe, I've seen somebody put power steering fluid in one. Yeah. And it wind up having to have lines, calipers, yes. mass sound. I mean, it ruined everything because they don't understand oil. Yeah. Petroleum products eat up uh, brake fluid, any, any, any rubber that is supposed to be run in brake fluid. If you put petroleum products in it, eat them up, vice yeah, versa. It'll too. swell four yep. times the size. That's exactly right. I've seen it swell the line shut, you know, stick the calipers. Mm-hmm. You can't move them. I've had to physically take a cutting torch and cut them off before. Well, I think what saved this guy, it never got below the master cylinder. So it never got down in it. It was leaking it. out the back of it so bad that he kept filling it in there, so it never made it down to the wheel cylinders, yeah, he excuse never, me, the calipers, the brake hoses, the analog unit. Yeah. So I think right. that's what happened. He got lucky there. Jim Ingle won the uh, wet and dry vac. So uh, Zach will send you some information here during the break so that you can let him know where he'll pick it on. Oh, so Jim is on the line. All right. Well, All right let's go cool. to it. Bring up Jim. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Congratulations. I'm good. Thank you. All right. I, so uh, I listen I'll. To you. I listen to you guys. Uh, fairly regular okay well we appreciate you doing that jim you need to go to 408 watson street in benton uh it's right there off of military uh and go in and see dickie and i'll call dickie and tell him that you want it and you have to have your driver's license and he'll give it to you and that's where now benton where is it at again 408 watson street 408 Watson. That's it. Yes, sir. Down in Benton. That is at what business is that? What business? Bumper to bumper. bumper to, it's a Evans, uh, Evans Automotive, bumper to bumper. Okay, bumper to bumper. Okay. Just go in and see Dickie. Watson. That's Benton. it. Yeah, Jim, before you run off, what, what kind of vehicle do you drive? Uh, 05 uh, GMC pickup. You like it? Yeah. Good service out of it? Well, I'm driving a company one right now. It's a 2011 GMC 4x with a 6.2 with Allison transmission, and it it runs. All right. You like that? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's too big to drive around town. Too hard to get in and out of. You know, it's a pain in the butt when you're in traffic or in traffic parking lots. You know, it's just... uh, Hard to see over the hood. All right. Well... Yeah. Gonna let gonna, gonna let you go, Jim. Enjoy the uh, the vacuum. We've got news coming up. Yeah, live here on the third floor on the uh, house side. We broke away from politics for a little bit to uh, talk about cars. And Joe and Duck are here. Joe Joe's garage over on uh, uh, let's see Crystal Hills Road, and and Joe's here. Joe Duck is here <laughs> from down in Benton, and he's on. Airdale. Airlane. Airlane. You're Drive. close. Uh, well, it is Dale Driver, I, I, too. I didn't say airport, though. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. you are close. But you, if you want to ask a question, uh, 8230965, usually I have the addresses printed out and in front of me. Sure. Then I'll, you don't have to remember. I will totally forget all that stuff. Dave, you're not supposed to have to remember anything you look up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, Joe, I was telling you, you know, while we was off, I got a guy called me. I think it's a 09, 010, somewhere along in there, Ford F-150 four-wheel drive. It has a 4.2 V6 in it. He sent me an email. You know, I called him, and so we're discussing it. He said, I want to put a 4.6 in it. Mm. And I told him, no. That's correct. I said, you don't understand. Well, everybody tells me you just pull it out and stick it right back in. I yeah, said, let them do it then. That's why I told them. I said, if everybody could do it, how come they're not doing it? That's correct. I said, you don't understand. The warren harness has got to be changed. The computer's, computer's got to be changed. The radiator has to be changed because that 4-2 don't have a big enough radiator. None of the accessory brackets for the power steering. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to work. Now, if you got a truck just like it set and wrecked with a 4-6 in it, you, you take can do everything it. off it. You can make it. You can do it, but it is going to take you probably 40, Twice, 50 three hours. Three times as long. Yeah. yeah, 40, 50 hours. And, you know, and he's. He don't like the V6. My standard line is go buy you a truck with the motor it. you want in it. That's what I told him. I said, Cheaper. I'd, I'd go trade it before I, you know. You know, he said, well, I, I got a guy give me a price that he'd do it for $1,000 labor. I said, you better take it to him. He's never going <laughs> to get it done. No, no, he won't. You that know, won't happen. And I just, you know, told him, I said, I'm not interested. I don't have time to do nothing like it. You know, so. But There's there, a difference between setting it in there and, and, and halfway hooking everything up and saying, well, that's all I can do because nothing else will fit. And that's all he's going to get for that. Yeah. And making it run like it's supposed to. And when the AC, you push the AC button, the air conditioner comes, comes on. on yep. And you uh, have power steering like it's supposed to be working, and your alternator's charging like it's supposed to be. Yeah, and your air cleaner works like it's supposed to, you know. That's correct. It, and, and unless you take account for all that, it's not going to be done right. And there's nope. no way you could do it for that amount of money. No, there's no way, you know. And, no and that's what I told him. I said, I said, you know, if I if I could if I would do it, I said you're looking at forty fifty hours labor. Yeah, easy. You know, e- you know and and that's don't include no parts. That's just strictly labor. And that's not cheap. Well, well, I, I, <coughs> we get these questions all the time. Well, it'll bolt right in there by transmission. It'll bolt. Yeah, it will. It'll bolt in, but, but it won't start and run and operate right without well, all the other stuff. Well, right. It, even with a motor mount, Joe, you got to change the stand on a oh, motor mount yeah, because the stand on the truck is different mm-hmm. in a they're, different spot. They're, they're higher and narrower in on that V six. Yeah, and you know, and that's what I told him. I said it's not simple to set one out the floor and set the other in and start turn the key on, drive off. It's <laughs> not that simple. <laughs> I I knew that a long time ago. And a gentleman walk in. Can't figure that out. Today about lunchtime, he said, I got a uh, 80 model, 
Cadillac. Bless B8. It's got a cracked exhaust manifold. Give me an estimate to fix that. I said, I can't. It's time and materials. What do you mean? I said, well, the bolts are going to break when you take that manifold off. How well, many is going to be question? one or eight. Right. And if we break four or five, we're going to be pulling the motor out of it to do that, plus materials. He said, well, what would be the high and the low? I said, the high would be two grand. Yep. Anything less than that, it'd be less. But we don't know yet. Yeah. And, you know, he was kind of like, well, I don't understand. You got a labor guide. I said, yeah, I got one. But it's not applicable to your vehicle after 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Well, there's a lot of mechanics that won't even deal with his vehicle. Well, I got a guy called me. It's got a motor home. It's got a 460 Ford in it. Yeah. And I said, you know, he said, well, I bought an exhaust system. Go on it. I said, okay. Why does it need exhaust? Well, my manifolds are all leaking. I said, you don't know why they're leaking? Mm -hmm. It has broke boats. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I don't see no boats broke. He said, can you not just screw them out and stick these headers on and hang the exhaust on it? I said, yeah. But if you the still going to have problems. And yeah. he said, well, you know, he's, he wanted me to give him a price. And I said, like you. I told him, I said, somewhere's around two grand. If he puts them headers on that motorhome, oh, he he'll have the plug wire boots melted every 500 miles. And that's what I tried to explain to him. <laughs> They're bad enough as it is in exactly. a motorhome. You know. Yeah. You know, them old 454 Chevrolets I had in motorhomes. Oh, yeah. You could never keep exhaust manifold gaskets on. Yeah. I even went in front, Dave. I went to the hardware store and bought me two dryer vents. Went up around the grill, knocked the louvers out of them, and screwed them to the grill. Took the metal dryer hose and run it down and blew it on the exhaust manifold. Keep them cool. Trying to help them stay cool. And it, it helped it, but they're still going to burn out. All yeah. right. Let's talk to Jeff. Okay. Jeff is up in Little Rock. Jeff, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the Capitol. you got Joe and Duck here. What's your question? Hey, Jeff. Hey, how are you all doing today? Fine. The quest- question I got, I bought my stepdaughter a 1999 Honda Accord, which has pretty low mileage, I would think, for a 20-year-old car. It's got 125,000 miles on it. Um, great condition. Is it true that... Hondas have to have the timing belt replaced at 100,000 miles. Yes. On a 99, whether it's a four-cylinder V6, that would require a timing belt. Okay. Now, if you so had a later had, model like 06, 05, 06 and up, uh, got four-cylinder would be a chain, but the V6 would still be a belt. belt. Yeah. Still be a belt. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you something done. about that. It, it's, it's not so much a mileage thing either, Okay. Okay. They say that that belt needs to be replaced every 100,000 miles or seven years, whichever comes first. So you're way over on the time, regardless of the mileage. If it had 50,000 miles on it, right. that belt would need right. to be replaced because the rubber will deteriorate. And okay. that is an interference engine. If it breaks, it will do valve damage. And let me explain something else to you. Make sure when you put a timing belt kit in it, put a water pump on it. That's correct. Because it runs off the timing belt. Okay. So it needs what a new What we usually belt. do, we do a, uh, Jeff, we put a component kit on there. We get it from bumper to bumper. It's either, most of the time, it's a Gates outfit that does that, that makes them. But it's a water pump, a tensioners. new water pump, a new belt, uh, new tensioners and idler pulleys, and do the whole works on it. And you need to look at the cam and the crank seals, too, to make sure they're not leaking, especially the jack shaft seal on that. Because they're bad no about tourists. popping out. So. What's what's a uh, an estimate on that? About seven and a half. I shouldn't say somewhere around eight hundred dollars. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. I might be bringing it to you guys, one of you. All right. Let All us right. know, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate Thank your you. call. Appreciate Have it. a great afternoon. All right, eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. You've got a question. Now's the time to call. Get in, talk to Joe, talk to Duck, and get your question answered. We'll be back here in a moment. Talk more on the Dave Ellswick Show. And Joe and Duck are here from uh, bumper to bumper, and they are both uh, excellent car mechanics or technicians. I guess technicians is the proper terminology now. Good yeah, to we have don't them go by nothing else. Okay. So if I'd ask you something as a mechanic, you would just look at me and wouldn't answer. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) You can give us a call. We got time to get a couple. We've been called a lot of other things too, Grace Monkey. Not. I bet you haven't been called as many names as the people who work here. Uh, You're probably right. (laughs) I'm just telling you. All right. So we'll uh, we'll take your calls now. Of course, eight two three zero nine six five. If we got a, a car question. Now's the time to call. We've got about 10 minutes now and uh, for you to get in. Until you do call us, we're going to talk about something that's coming up on the first weekend in June. And you'll want to mark it on your calendar, on your phone, so that you know that it's ready to go. And that is the bumper-to-bumper uh, you know, certified service center car show. Yes, sir. Conway. Conway. Conway Expo, Expo Center. Yep. And you were saying, Joe, that you guys are having uh, one of your meetings on the car show this Saturday. Actually, that's a uh, statewide meeting for all the car shows. It's in Conway, and it's uh, this Saturday at 9 a.m., and I'm trying to remember that it's at one of the churches there. I don't remember the name right offhand, but anybody that's having a car show should go to this meeting and get flyers and and talk and and what you want to do you want to let the other folks out there that are having car shows or thinking about it so you don't have overlapping dates no, that try, makes try sense. and give everybody a good you know a good turnout because if you try and split cars between three car shows you're going to have three that ain't got everybody there yeah so, yeah right that's the basic idea of this so and and you know and another thing too dave everything we raise goes to ronald mcdonald house yeah and we're going to push even harder this year to raise more money for Ronald McDonald's house. Yes. Yep, we are. And, you know, we've done good the past two or three years, but I think we could do better, and we're going to strive for that. And everybody in the group decided that from uh, bumper to bumper and certified service centers and even the employees and the managers over at bumper to bumper. They're all in in gear with this, and they like doing it, and we love doing it. So here it's we fun. go. That's it. So now, it's fun. How many years has it been now, Joe? It's been uh, total from all of them. I think we're on our 10th or 11th year. That's what I told Tracy. I thought it was 10 the other day. I thought it was a decade. That's what I thought. Yeah, I thought it was 10 the other day. Let's hope. Well, it doesn't matter anymore if it's cold or hot or rainy or dry. The bottom line is, though, still would like just for the people that come. The beach. Yeah, they don't have to walk through rain or they get inside and uh, don't have to walk through, you know, 900 degrees outside to get to it. Mm -hmm. That first one we did, it was Brutal. Miserable. Mm. Well, then one we done, it was cold. It was so cold, it we was amazing. We saw snow, remember? Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah, it we threatened to set the trash cans on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've had good turnouts every year today. Even the year that it rained up at Conway, we had 60 or 70 trucks, I think it was. I don't remember exactly, but 
you know. It was quite a few, you know. We let them come inside and unload inside on the yeah. Yeah. trailers and stuff, or if they were on a trailer. Yeah, because, you know. Uh, but, stay out of the rain. And then it rained and rained and rained till 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then the sun They cleared out. up, and it was beautiful, the and the people out. came out by droves. Yes, we had a whole house full of spectators looking at cars. And, <laughs> and beautiful cars. Yes, sir. We That's had a, one we thing had a good I'll time. Say is that this car show has grown into just an amazing place to come and see something. The quality of show cars is definitely at the the top tier. Yeah, when it gets so bad that you got to go from one vehicle to the next trying to figure out who's the overall winner, I mean, that tells you that there's good-looking vehicles there in in cars that's put together right. Well, when I see you on your back and you're underneath the car. Yeah, and Joe won't help me. (laughs) I couldn't. That was a customer of mine. Yeah. We didn't want no ideas of impropriety. Now, where you had you had a little bit of rust, and where was it? It was up underneath on the on the cab mount. I mean, they you guys real, and they ended up flipping for it. Yes, because we ended up flipping corn because they both had you know, you know. I got down to the counting paint chips. That guy that lost that coin flip two years ago came back last year and won it. Yes, yeah, he won it last year. That's how, yeah. and he went in every, any place that we faulted that truck. He had fixed it. Yeah. Did, did that lady ever come back? That lost that. Uh, she came back, I think, to you, Doc, and said, "Why did I lose that?" Yeah, and the only reason she lost it was because they had done some patchwork, and they did instead of painting the whole fenders and doors and everything, they tried to patch it in, and, and you could see the, and that was the honest reason. And I showed her. And I explained it to her, you know what, you know what it was, and she said, "Oh, I understand. I know what that happened. You know, they had bumped it. That won't her. happen again. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. When I get home, I'll, I'll get that took care of. And and it was a good looking car then. I mean, you know, but sometimes it gets down to the point you just got to start hunting and pecking to to find it. All right, we doing rat mobiles again this year? Yes, sir. I got a guy building me a trophy right now. Okay. So yeah, we've got to build it every year because we give it to the guy who wins it, and yeah, it usually weighs about forty. Pounds. That's what I'm going to say. If you can walk out with it, yeah. then we he figure come, we're not going to make you haul it back. He come by the other day and picked <laughs> up a, uh, a sixty series Detroit piston for it, and uh, picked up a couple of other odds and ends. Got a rod off of a. All right, final hour for you who are heading home right now. I'm sorry that those other people got out before you did, but that's just the way life is. Uh, we're going to talk about the Convention of States. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about this today because it was up in front of the committee uh, on the House side today, and I knew it would probably be a pretty uh, juicy committee meeting. How did, how did it go, Randy? Randy Alexander is here, and Gary Stubblefield's coming, and we've got the state the state uh, director. Bud Cornwell, yes, sir. Uh, and so, with all of you, I mean, did you guys feel like you're going to have to put on the uh, you know, armor. Well, it was a it was a great day, and uh, you know, all along we felt pretty confident on the Senate side, and actually we felt pretty okay on the se- on the House side in committee. It's the floor of the House that we were worried about. But then uh, Andy Davis, who's one of our supporters, was at the prayer breakfast in D.C. today. Uh-oh. And then another guy who supported us for two years said, well, I, I may just not vote, you know. And things were starting to look a little dicey. But uh, our, our uh, volunteers came through. They made calls. Uh, uh, Matt McKee, who is uh, he's a COS volunteer petition signer, but he's also the chairman of the Garland County Republican Committee. He drove up here to testify. 
I mean, it it was a great day, and uh, we, you know, we didn't know what to expect in terms of people showing up to speak against it. Uh, some representatives from Secure Arkansas were there. I looked at the list one time. You know, you sign the list if you want to speak, and you put four or against. Right. There were six or seven people that were going to speak against. And so I thought, well, we were only going to have two people speak. I said, well, we better add a few. And then when it actually got underway, apparently some of the ones that were going to speak against withdrew. Uh, and uh, Maybe you convinced them. Maybe. And uh, their their leader got up there, and she was uh, – it was kind of scary, actually. I mean, she, she, she was, was fired up. Oh, my gosh. She was basically accusing our supporters, and we had the room filled with supporters. All over, We probably had – 40 i don't know and she basically accused them of being brainwashed and easily confused and led by uh mark meckler this uh high-powered consultant who lied to arc you know i mean it was it was really it was uh, was on the verge of i mean she should just went ahead and used the word deplorables you know that's (laughs) that's what uh that's what we felt we came out of there and we're like wait a minute uh you know, we're, we kind of feel like we're here. We're we're fighting for a cause. We're mm-hmm. Americans, and we're speaking out. And and then all of a sudden, it, you just kind of have that drop. You know, where you yeah. kind of feel like, wait a minute. You know, and I was so proud of our right. people because even after that, when they were attacked, the others that came up and spoke, they were calm. They were rational. They gave excellent testimony. And I think they're they're the reason that uh, we passed. You need eleven votes. We had. Uh, 13 to uh what was five five and so uh great day we got a lot of work to do still uh we're very close on the house chamber but you know how it is when you're very close you can be very far away you you can you know somebody can be out of the room and so we we need get a phone call yeah we you know (laughs) how that works yeah, I do. Uh, we need all of our supporters in Arkansas to contact your legislator, even if they have said they're for it. We, Like I say, we've had a couple of experiences now where people who voted for it in 15 and 17 are starting to walk away. And uh, so let your folks know what your thoughts are because we need their support. It's amazing that it's taken so long. I mean, I, I remember when it was first run, and I, I was amazed that it, it didn't pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really was. I was amazed that it didn't pass. And, and the argument that I heard so much of while I was talking to people on the air was, well, you know, this the founders, yeah, they put that in the, in the Constitution. And as Mark Meckler likes to say, you know, the 13-page one, not the 10,000-page mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But uh, they put it in there. But they only wanted us to use it in extreme emergencies. And I, I, and I always asked them on the air, I said, what do you call right now? Because <laughs> yeah. if you need something more to think that this is a, an extreme emergency, mm-hmm. you, you want to go a lot further than I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing about it is the glass is broken. You know, the emergency's here and the glass is broken. You just got to reach for the axe now. Yeah. You know, yeah. You got, you, that's the last step that we got to do is reach for that axe. And we got to get the... The states together that are, you know that are not understanding uh, what it takes to do those kind of things. The thing that uh, when uh, Senator Tom Coburn was uh, here last week and he he drove in yesterday from Oklahoma to talk for ten minutes. What a to great the, guy to the uh, Republican caucus. 
But uh, something he said, I mean, we all know that what we're doing is not sustainable. The, you know, the bottom's going to drop out eventually. Yeah. But I heard a new uh, uh, fact that he shared with us that I had not heard before, and that was the debt coverage ratio. And how uh, I think he said in 2015 it was three point something to one, and uh, it is now down to 1.6 to one. And he said when it gets to 1.1, nobody will loan the United States of America any money anymore. Think about that. And we dropped that far in just two or three years, and we're we're a f- point four away from that disaster right we've got to act well i agree and uh, state senator gary stubblefield has joined us now he was running a little late in the judiciary is that what was going on that's correct you went to working things out i i i'm really happy that you guys came by today for the simple reason you were on the house side today and i thought when, when I, you know, when Mark was here and talking to him, and seemed like that the that the Senate was open to everything, and wasn't the Senate the one that said it was okay the last time, and then he got to the House and yes. things yeah. started falling apart right. in the mm-hmm. House. Right. What what is it in the House that is spooking them? Well. You know, it, it was ran very late in the session in the House. I do remember that. And, and yeah. there was a lot of uh, misinformation, uh, you know, from opposition groups that were putting out things that were entirely false. And, it, listen, I've been in here long enough to know. I was here in 2010 when we had the fluoride issue, and and they were, you know, we were getting all kinds of emails. Warning yeah, I us forgot about, about poison. that one. Boy, oh I was Lord. getting hundreds and hundreds a day, and... So I started doing my own research, and, I, and that's what I would encourage people to do with Article 5. Right. Instead of taking someone else's word, because, it, it, you know, we're all a little bit vulnerable and naive when it comes to – but look up what the founders put in there. And, and the, it's, very, it's, it's really not that complex. It's really very simple. They gave us two options to do this. And uh, one of them, they knew that Congress just might get to the point someday where they would never propose an amendment to rein in their own and you know what being a human i can understand that if i've tried to imagine myself being in congress and proposing amendment that's going to limit all these i read the other day where there's 3800 in the last 10 years they've they've issued 3800 new regulations and most of these come from unelected bureaucrats oh yeah and and most of them with no public comment and uh, You've got layer after layer, year after year of those. And as a, as a farmer, a dairy farmer, I, for 40-something years, I watched the dairy industry in Arkansas go from, in, in the late 70s, from 3,000 dairies. Now we have 50 or 60. And most of that is EPA regulations, uh, federal orders that we were under, set by the federal government, based on the price of cheese in Madison, Wisconsin. And it was continually changing. And farmers could not cope with those kind of regulations. And, uh, you know, there was there was one year in 1998 where, on, I'll never forget it, on December the 31st, I was getting $18 a hundred, 100 pounds mm-hmm. of milk. The next day, on January the 1st, it dropped to nine. Wow. Nine dollars. So when I got my check in February, because we were always 30 days behind, mm-hmm. my check wouldn't cover half of the feed bill. And we milked a whole year for absolutely nothing. Did did your taxes go in half? No. Taxes, <laughs> taxes didn't change, did they? No. Never so, did. So, uh, you know, 
we've got a we've got a very oppressive federal government, and it's happened over such and it's, it's happened gradually. Nothing, you know, this is kind of like an earthquake underneath. And the best thing about an earthquake is you want to get a warning out there early. And we know right now what we we know right now what our debt is. We know we've never been in where we are right now with twenty two trillion dollars. No country has. And like Senator Clark said the other day on the floor, no country has ever recovered That's right. from a debt this astronomical. So we and you know, last summer Goldman Sachs got involved in this. They even sent out a warning to Congress saying, you know, if that interest rate inches up just a fraction, mm-hmm. it could be another hundreds of billions of dollars onto the interest rate, which each into the discretionary spending in our in our federal budget, which there goes your military, your education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would encourage people to to read the Constitution. The 13-page one. Mm-hmm. The 13-page one, not the 2,700-page one. Yeah. Ten and a half pounds. Yeah. Yeah, that you have to pay $150 for. So, It's amazing. It really, really is. And it's amazing we've allowed ourselves to get there. I, I blame Congress for most of it for the simple reason they don't want to make votes. Mm-hmm. On on things, and so they they devise ways to put an EPA in or a, a Department of Education, all that, and they say, "You tell us what we're supposed to do, and then we'll vote on it." You know, there are there are some congressmen, including uh, Congressman Westerman, a uh, good friend of mine. He he's very aware of this, and he knows the dangers we're facing. And uh, there's not a senator or a congressman in Washington that doesn't realize. The dangers of what, what's going on right now. No, wait. So Cortez does not understand. That's right. But when you bring on. up, when you bring up cutting <laughs> yeah. spending, they treat you like you're a you've got leprosy. Yeah, pariah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, they don't want it, they they don't want anything to do with you because that's how they get reelected, Dave. Oh, I understand that. You, it's how much you bring home to your district. It's not what's best for the American people. Yeah. We've watched that for years. I've watched it, and most Americans have watched it, and. Um, yeah, you don't, you it's don't, out of control. It's just Washington is very dysfunctional. You, well, don't, you don't hear it as much now, bringing home the bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. thing about it is, see, the money in the D.C. area and the money that it revolves around is not the money that we know. It's not what we grew up with in the same type of concept. It's paper that was moved around, documentation, spreadsheets, you know, those kind of things. And so there's no tangible attachment to it. So yeah. it's kind of like if I can push it here and then you could push it there and, you know, it just happens. It's not real. It's not real. It's yeah, like it's see. like this circular world of just give me yours and I'll give me you know and nobody keeps a track of where it goes and how it works. That's right. You ask you ask a, a somebody who's really honest that uh, knows about our economy and you ask them how much is a dollar worth and they'll say how much can you convince people a dollar is worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. I mean, I do you. I'm, some of you may not. I mean, Randy, I think you would know. Uh, but when when Nixon went on television and said we were going to move away from the gold standard, and he told he told America, "This is a dollar. It'll still be worth a dollar tomorrow and a dollar a year." What a freaking liar! He knew what was going to happen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it has happened. Yeah. That's what makes me an interesting talk show host. I lived through all that stuff. Yeah, I lived through a lot. <laughs> I remember a lot of that stuff. I really do. Okay, let me get break in, and the guys will come back. I want you to tell my listeners that the fight isn't over yet, that there's still some more fighting that they got to do. 
but hopefully uh, this time we'll get the House to agree with the Senate and we'll be what number state? 14? 13. 13. 13. 13 original colonies. We That's will be good. the 13th state. That'd be very cool. All right. Learn uh, the little note strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars when it comes to. Uh, you know, taking care of your taxes with the tax reduction analysis from David Lucas. David's a, pub- a published author. He's a host here on 101 uh, The Answer on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And he'll talk to you about how to s- save money. And there's some strategies you really have to use now. You, you think about the money that you're using. Money today, when you look at, you know, um, how much interest is being charged you relatively it's pretty close to being free to be honest with you but let me just tell you this when that ira 401k social security benefits and the rest of it start coming out of the you start pulling money out of that and they've raised the interest rate it's not going to be as worth as much as you think it's going to be worth and you need somebody to help you out so that you don't end up losing thousands of dollars to get your free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. Call now. Real quick, before we get back, let me remind you the way to save money is not buy a new car. You, you, you go out to buy a car now that costs so much, it takes you seven years to pay it off. That's insane. I just tell you, that's not good money management if you're signing on for seven years with a car payment. So when your car gives you problems, uh, you need to fix it. And the easiest way to fix it is to use Sonny's Auto Salvage. It's the way I do mine. Look, I got a 19, 19, I wish it was 19, a 2008 uh, uh, Acadia that, uh, you know, it's got almost 300,000 miles on it. I don't want any car payments so um they cost me just a little over five thousand going to sunny's with this is with labor to put an engine in it and to put a transmission in it and the thing runs like a scalded cat now i love it man it, it does what it's supposed to do if i had put oem parts those are brand new parts or rebuilt parts even it probably would have ran me a little over ten thousand dollars to do it now when you think about the 08, when I bought it, was at just about $41,000. It's now almost $53,000 to buy the same car. Um, at only paying a little over $5,000, i am saving some major dough there. What is it I always say about recycling or that this green stuff that they like to talk about? If you'll save me green, then I'll go green. And I'm saving green now. That's exactly what I do. I save green. You can do the same thing. Call the folks at Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts in our area. 982-7451 is their number. Talk to RD over there. 982-7451. All right, let's get back and, and finish up our conversation. We've got about a half hour here, so I'm, I want to really kind of dig down into all of what we went, we went down on. Oh, by the way, Doug House sent me a question. And, and Doug says, you know, I hadn't heard about these guys. Let me read it just the way he wrote it here. Just, I got it. There it is. He said, uh, he wanted me to ask you, Randy, about this. He said, who is Secure Arkansas? I never even heard of them before today. Well, 
Uh, to be perfectly, here's how I would describe Secure Arkansas. They're an organization that when they fo- uh, started, which I believe was about nine, ten years ago. Yeah, it's been a while they now. Were, they seem to be a very solid group. I went to some of their meetings, but over the years, some of the leadership has changed, moved out of state, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not the group that it used to be, in my opinion. There are some wonderful uh patriots there some people who are conservatives but the leadership has changed to the point where i think they're being misled and uh they're a loud group they're not a very they're not actually a very large group but uh you know they they make a lot of noise well with social media you don't have to have a very large group anymore to make any noise no and i'll let bud talk to that I, i was talking to representative michelle gray yesterday and she said we're getting I'm getting all these emails against. And she said, when I open them, they're all from out of state. And then uh, she, uh, they're also receiving them where it just says in the subject line, vote against SJR. Well, if you open it, there's no body to it. And Bud explained to me what a bot was. Tell them about the bot. It's um. You know, the computer system's great. I mean, technology's great. You can use it for great things. But it can also be reversed to where you can have, uh, you know, a detrimental effect on anything for any particular reason. This is a prime example. These bot things is you might have somebody in California or even India, you know, and they're sitting there and they got this big email list and they plug it in, you know, and they set the old automatic scheduling thing, you know, and it just just rotates around like a like a swirl and just keeps punching that same message over and over again you know and it's uh it's very irritating to a, to an individual but some places or some cases is very effective yeah. so the thing about it is is uh with these bots or these uh processes um you can't really stop it because as soon as you apply some security measures into the ser- the servers or the email servers and so forth, they find another way to get around it. All right. Need you hold? We're going to go to the news. When we come back, you can continue. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, here's the big thing that everybody's got to understand. Founding fathers understood this when they wrote this all up. It ain't easy. <laughs> Just ask these three gentlemen who are with me right now. Gary, you've been working on this, what, six years? Six years. Yeah. It ain't easy, is it? No, it's, it's not, and it wasn't intended to be easy. That's right. The founders deliberately made it hard to do because they didn't want the Constitution being amended for any reason. Uh, and, and I really don't think they envisioned the kind of uh, dysfunctional government we have today. No, I think, as, bad I, and big, bad, as big as it is. I think Jefferson knew it was coming. I think that's I mean, why they gave us Article 5. I mean, when he when he said the propensity of government is to grow, I think he understood what was coming down. Well, I think there. they would have wanted us to use this uh, earlier than we're using it now. Yeah, I would agree with that, Absolutely. too. Yeah, all the I hit people, you know, call me up and, and will say, well, when it gets really bad, and I just start laughing. I said, <laughs> what do you mean when it gets really bad? It's really bad right now. Yes. Don't you understand? I mean... Anybody alive today, if you're over 30 years old, you can sit and think for 10 minutes. What can you do right now your child can't do? That's all I ask you to do. Just think what you can't do that you used to be, that your kid can't do it because, you know, from having to wear a 
a helmet on their head when they ride a bicycle or whatever. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it, we live... People say, well, you, we're going to end up with a totalitarian government someday. Someday? I well, think we're pretty totalitarian right now, to be honest with you. As a nation, we have traded in our independence. We, we were once a very independent. Yep. Our grandfathers and my great-grandfathers, we didn't rely on the government. Nope. We took care of our families and we took care of ourselves. In fact, my granddad, I told it in my speech the other day on the floor, he didn't even want his Social Security. He didn't want anything to do with the government, any ties. But that's that's not the sense that we've traded our independence in for a security that the government was going to protect us from everything. Remember what? And now we, we've got this yeah. dependency. You know what Franklin said? Yes. Yeah. If you can vote money. Yeah, well, Franklin said those who trade a little security. Deserve neither. And give up freedom will have neither at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote, the, I wrote this down right before I came up here. I looked it up. Federal government is the world's largest power producer, the largest insurer, the largest uh, lender, the largest borrower, the largest hospital system operator, largest landowner, the largest tenant uh, owner of grazing land, the largest timber seller, the largest grain owner, the largest warehouse operator, the, the largest ship owner, truck fleet operator. Federal government owns seventy-seven thousand empty buildings that they spend seven billion dollars a year just to maintain empty. Yeah. Now, that's more than the Arkansas state budget. So, it gives you an idea of the waste and the abuse and the and, and most people have all you got to do is pull up port projects and you've seen what we've spent on uh, these contractors that build our ships and our mm-hmm. planes and they spend three hundred dollars for a 12 cent washer and that's true those are all true and we spend we'll spend five million dollars studying why honeybee flies and then kill them and then kill them <laughs> yeah so you know when you're spending other people's you wouldn't do that with your own family nope and your own income that you had to work for but it's a lot easier when you're using taxpayer dollars and you get in an environment like it is in D.C. where you don't see anything but buildings and you don't realize there's a guy out there getting up every morning at 5.30 going to milk cows or, or going through a chicken house picking up dead chickens so they can have something to eat. They've lost complete touch with what's going on in this country. And uh, I, I, I just think, think they need to be re-educated. They, yeah. they need to spend yeah. more time in their Education. districts. And, and going out, not just in the the metropolitan areas, but go out in the rural areas. Oh yeah, and see how people are really living. Yeah, I think the, the thing that gets me is I remember when I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, I'm getting ready to go in the world and get a job and do things. I didn't think about any of this. I didn't think about what my girth size was and how much money. I tell you what, you pull over that sixteen year old today and you talk to them, they know these things. It's actually amazing to talk to these kids. You think, well, they're just kind of like off in left field somewhere. Well, they're not. A lot of them understand what, what's going on. They understand when they hear this $27 trillion. You know, they have a, wait a minute, look at it in their eyes. They may not have the complete understanding and education of it, but that's what we're facing here. You know, we're facing the fact that these people understand that, mm-hmm. and we're not doing anything for them to help them understand that. 
Well, you look all over the world, and it's all a whole big just house of cards. Mm-hmm. All it's going to take is one card to let go, and we're all in deep doo-doo. One of the things, too, that makes this difficult is people are on information overload. Mm-hmm. And as, as uh, Bud pointed out, we've actually got machines sending out emails to yep. people. And it's so hard to figure out the truth with all this information flying around. There's so many things that are said about convention states that are just, I mean. Flat out lies. They're just flat out lies. You can look at uh, the legal record court decisions you can look at historical precedents and the evidence is there what this person just said is absolutely false but getting that out is is hard to do one of the one of the things we're hearing now is that george soros is funding convention (laughs) of states i was going to bring this up to you because they say that he's i forget what his play is on this but he's he's funding it so that he can take over yeah in well, the, end. the truth is this. On Good Friday, April 14th, 2017, Common Cause, and most conservatives know who Common Cause is, a left-wing policy group, and they are funded by George Soros. They declared war against calling a convention of states, and they announced the formation of the largest radical leftist alliance in U.S. history. And almost every radical leftist group you can think of uh, is signed on to this. There's actually more than 230 organizations that signed this on that day. It includes groups like the AFL-CIO, the Center for American Progress, Common Cause, the Daily Cost, De- Democracy 21, Greenpeace, Mi Familia Vota, MoveOn.org, uh, National Council of La Raza, People for the American Way, Planned Parenthood, and it just goes on and on and on. And most of these organizations receive funds from George Soros. But somehow, people have become convinced that George Soros is trying to pass a convention of states. It's it's just insane. Did you get your check in the mail? I haven't gotten it yet. I, I'll keep looking. And as you said, Hillary Clinton has come out against this. Eric Holder has come out against this. Barack Obama has come out against this. And George Soros. Yeah, now, if if this group of people is against something without even knowing what it is i'm pretty sure i'm for it and yet people are believing lies that all these liberal groups are really behind this promoting it and it's ridiculous but it's difficult to fight how many of them people have elected officials (laughs) that's the question right the bureaucracy not Mm -hmm. not a one of them not any of those organizations or or elected officials Mm mm-hmm so we put two and two together. If you're not elected, you're going to do what you want to do, and you're going to use the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to stop something. Oh, yeah. When you've got that much money, you can probably Absolutely. So the, the Article 5 gets put in there. So when the radicals, which they probably thought about, you know, the radical thinking of making the bureaucracy larger, making the government larger, we've got to do something about it. And that's the only way to do it. They thought about it. The, uh, my best quote that I use for this to understand it is, they knew it then, so we can do something about it today. The right. founders being the ones who knew it then. Yes. All right. What I'd like to do with you guys for the last 15 minutes when we come back 
is take the mythology that has developed around this thing okay. and talk about a little bit of it and how it is just that. It is just a bunch of myths to, to direct you off course. I'm just being honest with you. It's a quarter till uh, 6 o'clock. We'll be back, finish it up for today from the uh, state capitol. We're on the third floor on the House side. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Gary Stubblefield said, you're Air Force? He said, what you do? I did like every other Air Force does. I sent out my commanding officer to fight. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably a pilot somewhere. And he says that sitting next to a Marine, too. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back and talk. Okay, so let's talk about some mythology. First one, biggest one that's probably out there, runaway convention. They're going to come up with... Ideas out of their yin yang and and mm-hmm. try to get it done. Well, there's there is now uh, a gentleman by the name of Rob, Robert Nagelson has done a lot of research about that, and it's interesting. The term "runaway convention" you can't find it anywhere until 1970s, and the reason for that is in the 70s, uh, Indiana was the first state to call for convention of states to overturn Roe v. Wade, and this took off. I mean, you need 34 states. I think they got up to 28, 29. And then the liberal progressives started putting out this notion of a runaway convention. Uh-huh. And, you know, you can't contain it. They could throw out the whole Constitution. Now, it wasn't true, but it stopped that force, that movement, dead in its the tracks. momentum, yeah. Not only did no more states pass it, three rescinded it. And, you know, it, it is just absolutely untrue. There is there is historical precedent. There are legal cases that have been decided. Uh, one thing you hear related to that is that Congress, under its Article One powers, using the Necessary and Proper Clause, once we call the convention, they will simply step in, take it over. Yep. Well, first of all, logically, that makes no sense. They already have the constitutional authority to call a to send an amendment out any time they want to. But there has actually been a court case that addressed that specific question. It's Idaho versus Freeman in 1988. And their conclu- I can't remember the exact uh, statement, but in the decision, the summary statement was article, uh, Congress has no powers except those granted by Article 5 when it comes to amendments. Uh, the traditional Article 1... Uh, authority that they have is is not does not cover this. I'm, I'm not saying it as clearly as it did, but you read the the decision and it's like this couldn't be any clearer. You know they can't do this, and so. But again, you hear that over and over. You mentioned Secure Arkansas earlier. That's one of the things they had posted on their website, and I copied the legal citation and I had the quotes and the whole thing and sent it to them, and it's still there. They don't care. That doesn't make any difference. I mean, sometimes people who are on the right act as exactly like the people on the left. Yeah. I mean, typically, yeah. if I'm talking to a progressive, I know that I don't need to talk facts because they're not going to listen to them anyway. Yeah. It's all about emotions. And that's what a lot of this is all about. And, and Mark Meckler, in his testimony today, he pointed out there were, I, I, I can't remember exactly, there were like 30 interstate conventions before Article 5 was written. And there have been more than that since. There has never been a single case of a runaway meeting. There has never been a single case of a commissioner deviating 
from the reason the meeting was called. There is nothing to support this in history. And yet we keep hearing it over and over again. Somebody trying to scare somebody, huh? They certainly are. You know, if our, if our founders, uh, you think about this, it's like people want a guarantee in advance of success. Nothing bad could happen. And the things they're citing, they're not going to happen. But what would our fa- where would we be today if our founders had said, you know, we, we really need kind of a guarantee that this thing's going to work. I mean, I'm 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 just going to go back and grow cotton. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm leaving my farm. I'm risking my life. You know, I got here. We are. They're going up against the the greatest military force in history at that point yep. in time, and you know, odds makers in Las Vegas, if they'd been around then, they wouldn't have given them very good odds. No, but they did it anyway, and they did it because it was the right thing to do. They knew that they were going to run over and lose all their rights if they didn't do it, and they had the courage to stand up and do it. We need Americans today to stand up and speak up and use the very tool the founders gave us for exactly the emergency we're facing. And, you know, I don't want to tell my kids, well, yeah, I I, I thought about that, but I sat around because who knows what might have happened. Well, we know what's happening now. Uh, I'm not afraid of a runaway convention. I'm bothered by a runaway Congress, a runaway Supreme Court. And we're not going to destroy the Constitution by doing this. We're going to restore the Constitution using the Constitution to restore it. That's what the founders intended. Explain uh, the whole concept of where Congress uh, plays in this, that they have to call this uh, particular event to happen well the the constitution the the philadelphia convention ended on i believe uh september 17th uh, 1787 two days before it ended uh colonel george mason who was from virginia uh, stood up and he basically said we've made a mistake here we've got to go back and rectify something and uh, he said we've given congress the power to propose amendments is anyone here, and I, again, I'm paraphrasing, is anyone here naive enough to believe that if the Congress becomes tyrannical, that they will rein in their own tyranny? Mm-hmm. And Madison, who was the note keeper for this, he recorded that there was absolutely no debate. Yeah, could hear a pin drop. It, it, you know, nobody chat. They heard what he said. And it passed unanimously with no debate. Nothing, I mean, in the convention, they debated everything. But when he brought that up, they said, you're right. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Tyrants don't rein themselves in. And so they gave us this to go around Congress. So what is Congress' role? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it says in Article 5. There are two ways a convention can be proposed. Congress can propose amendments if two-thirds of them do it. If two-thirds of the states call for a convention of states, Congress must, shall, is the word they use, the, the legislative word, shall call it. That, that's not optional. They have to do it. They set the time and the place, and then they can determine which method of ratification is used. And then the, So whether the states propose, and that's the key word, whether the states propose the amendment or Congress proposes the amendment, 
They go through exactly the same ratification process. 38 states have to approve it. And that is a very high bar. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't been reached very many times. So, yeah. so even if, you know, let's say some of the worst things people are afraid are going to happen. Second and Amendment something crazy goes away. comes Second out Amendment. of the convention. Do we really believe, you know, we're going to do away with the Second Amendment. Do we really believe there are not 13 states in the United States of America that, that would not I can vote count across the state or the South, 13 states well, that wouldn't let that happen. 49 states have carry laws. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's ridiculous. So uh, it, it is, it's a safe process. What is not safe is us continuing to wait and put it off and push it down the road. Uh, we need to act so that we can get our country back and restore our Constitution, shrink it from that 2,500-page document back down to the little thing you can hold in one hand that guided our country for, you know, a long, long time without any problems. All right, guys, so we're down to about a minute and a half here. When are you expecting this now to move to the floor of the House? We're looking at um, hopefully we can get this in there as quick as possible. And, and we're looking at Monday, if we can get this into the House on Monday and get the, you know, to be honest with you, the appropriate legislation backing to be able to move forward with that on Monday. So that's the, uh, that's the plan. And, of course, uh, in the government, sometimes that plan doesn't work. But right now, that's where we're at. That's what we're, we're reaching for and uh, determining. All right. So am I correct that the Senate has already signed off on it? That's so correct. let's say now that uh, the House signs off. What is the government or government? The governor, and what is he? Uh, There's no role. Said? No role at no all. Role at all. Huh? Nope. Okay. No role at all. No role at all. No role at all. So it's, it's a resolution. So. so it's done. It's done. It's done. If we can get it through the House. Yep. And uh, notification will go to the clerk of the Senate and the clerk of the House of the U.S. Congress that the state of Arkansas is calling for an Article 5 convention. Okay. So let me just ask you, uh, State Senator. Uh, if we do this, do you think it revs up the momentum for other states? I, I really do. I think that there's a good chance Wyoming may be number 14. And uh, the closer we get to that 34 number, I think it may even rev up some of our senators and congressmen in Washington who may start attacking on some things that they normally wouldn't have. Because if they see these states getting close to that 34, uh, they may lose their power and do certain things. You know... I don't know if we got time, David. Give you thirty seconds. The founding fathers, the founding fathers, felt like the ju- the judicial branch would be the least dangerous of all three branches of government, and yet when you look back at what the Supreme Court has done, I mean they've basically rewritten parts of the Constitution. Yep. As for as, uh, Roe versus Wade, Obamacare, all these things are unconstitutional. So uh, the the least threatening branch of government has become the most threatening so yeah i think jefferson knew that i think he did too all right we'll take a break i'll be back at two o'clock gentlemen thank you so much and uh, if this passes on monday come on back on and we'll celebrate all right thank you much for thank being you, on my show all right two o'clock tomorrow right here don't miss it
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.